This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. Return to the land of Fantasia as a new threat endangers the magical realm. It's the never-ending story part two, the next chapter, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to this film is lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It is the second part of our spring mini-series uh, of a two-part spring mini-series. Mm. We're doing The NeverEnding Story. This is part two. There is a part three, but we will not be covering that because it is not based on a book. Not that I know of. <laughs> yeah, from everything, the, all the research we've done, not based on a book, uh, just a, a, a bare cash grab, cashing in <laughs> on the property. Uh, we are joined, as we were on the last episode, by April Atmanska. <laughs> That's okay. I, I jumped into the... I said April man. I went to no such thing, and I like combined it. Never mind. We'll start again there. We're joined once again, as we were on the last episode, by April Edmansky of the No Such Thing as a Bad Movie Pod. April, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, awesome to be here again. Uh, happy to talk about part two. This is going to be fun. So we talked about on the last episode that uh, this is the one that I watched a lot as a kid. So this is very nostalgic for me. Neither of you remembered anything about this movie. Uh, so you were going in cold, and I'm very interested to get your guys' feelings, because mine is very colored by <laughs> by my nostalgia. So I'll be interested to see what mm-hmm. both of you thought of it, uh, especially comparing it to the book, because uh, I have a feeling there's going to be lots of changes. Before we get started, April, uh, I mentioned No Such Thing as a Bad Movie pod, but why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find that lovely podcast. Uh, well, it's a bi-weekly podcast, and um, we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, uh, uh, Spotify, basically where most podcasts uh, can be found, and uh, we talk about bad movies. We kind of analyze them, mm-hmm. do a little bit of history, and uh, talk about um, the things that we like about them, and we've done episodes on movies such as The Island of Dr. Moreau, uh, Hudson Hawk, The Number 23, Torque, and uh, a new discovery, uh, Fight of Fury, starring Shuni B. Have you seen that one, Brian? I have not. It doesn't ring a bell. Who is Shuni B? Uh, well, Fight of Fury is like, uh, it's like a new movie, but it's like Miami hmm. Connection meets like oh. a Neil Breen level vanity project, nice. um, but without the uh, creepy politics. And oh, it's, it's available on Amazon Prime, Fight of Fury. I'm <laughs> You should check it out. You definitely got to check that out. So, yes, no such thing as a bad movie pod. Uh, Huge backlog of of episodes. Very funny. Very enjoyable. Uh, Highly recommend them. Go check them out. But now it's time. We have all of our segments. Let's get into our first one with Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So we actually need this segment. Yes, this uh, they're (laughs) very different this time. Yeah, pretty different. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and summarize the book. 
um, the second half yes. of the never ending story. Um, cause the first movie follows like almost exactly the first half of the book. Uh, so the second half of the book, the never ending story follows Bastion after he initially comes to Fantasia right after renaming the childlike Empress. She gives him Arin, which grants Bastion's wishes. However, using Arin also takes away Bastion's memories. Bastion uses the gem to build himself up into an impressive warrior, worlds away from the scared little boy he actually was. In the process, he loses more and more of himself, falling away from his friends Atreyu and Falcor, and under the influence of the wicked sorceress, um, was it Zaid? In the movie, they say Zaida. Zaida. The wicked sorceress Zaida. Bastion eventually tries to usurp the throne of Fantasia and in the process realizes that he was only a few wishes away from being trapped forever in Fantasia as a memoryless husk. In order to get back to his own world, Bastion must let go of the facade that he's built and refind who he truly is. I wish we had gotten that plot. That sounds way more interesting. (laughs) Um, So uh, for the movie, uh, here's what we got going on. It's not there's some there's some similarities here. Bastion Bucks, after failing to make the swimming team and a further falling out with his father, who has begun dating again, once again finds the never-ending story and ventures back into the land of Fantasia, this time bearing Arin, the medallion from the cover of the book, which we can find out can grant wishes. Upon arriving, he learns that things are not going great. A new threat endangers the inhabitants of Fantasia. Zaida, an evil witch queen lady, in the movie I feel like it's not super clear, but we'll we'll get to it, I guess, has captured the childlike empress, and a new mystical force is also spreading through Fantasia, leaving things empty. Bastion, with the help of Atreyu, must find Zaida and force her to set the childlike empress free, thus somehow stopping the magical force that is consuming Fantasia. I'm not exactly clear on how that why that's connected but sure uh the monkey wrench in the plan every time bastion uses Arn to make a wish to aid his quest one of his memories is stolen by zaida or by Orin. it's kind of vague in the movie as well mm-hmm. she has them i don't think she's stealing it we'll talk about it i guess uh, if he uses all of his memories as wishes he will forget who he is and thus be trapped in fantasia forever zaida will have won and rule over fantasia i think this is her plan uh long story shortish bastion after a brief heel turn where he murders Atreyu, confronts Zaida, wishes for her to have a heart, which seems to destroy her for some reason, and that frees the childlike empress for some reason, and that saves Fantasia from the emptiness which was consuming it, which is the new evil force. Uh, Bastion then returns home to Earth, reunites with his father, and they, they hug and make up the end. That seems like mostly the movie, right? Oh, that's pretty much it. Cool. So if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, you've got a little bit of a brief understanding of what go what's going on in them. We have one guess who this week, so let's go ahead and do it. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. She was wearing a long gown of violet silk, and her flaming red hair was coiled and braided into a fantastic edifice. Her face and her long, thin hands were pale as marble. There was something strangely disturbing about her eyes. They were different colors, one green, one red. So I think this one's going to be easy because there's (laughs) only one new character, like really. Well, that's not true. There are other new characters Mm. in the movie, but based on the description, this can only be Zaida. 
Zaidi, Zaida, however you want to. I guess it is Zaida. I, I was just kind of saying Zadie when I was reading the book, oh. like in my head. But yeah. I was just I'm saying totally Z- like with. like Zaid, not Zaida. Oh, yeah, Zaid. But there I mean, you go. that would work who's, too. Who's to say, right? Who knows? I'm yeah. totally fine with using the movie pronunciation I'm go with the movie one, since yeah. that's the only one we really have. Yeah. But it, yeah, it is Zaida. Um, I'm a little disappointed she didn't, and I don't think she did, unless I missed it. She doesn't have two different color eyes. I didn't notice no, that. I don't think so. I think that would, I mean, that would have been like an easy, they had colored contacts in the 1990. They could have, <laughs> like, why would they yeah. just give her one green contact? That would have been cool. I don't know. That seems like weird. But yeah, yeah she doesn't have red hair either. She has like dark hair. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like dark brown. Um, there were a lot more character descriptions in the second half of the book, but literally none of those characters <laughs> Made it into the movie. Yeah, and there's other new characters in the movie that aren't in the book. So uh, can't use those either. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that one was pretty simple. Uh, I I, I will say this. Her character is one of my favorite things about the movie. We'll get into it. Um, So I'm glad she was in the book. All right. Let's find out what else was in the book. Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read... So we open up and we start uh, with Bastion's reintroduction. Uh, And as we mentioned in the prequel episode, everybody's been recast except for the bookstore owner because this movie was filmed six years after the initial film. So all the original actors were far too old to reprise their roles. Uh, So we open up with the the new Bastion. We're reintroduced to him. And all of a sudden in the opening scene, he's like rushing around the kitchen as his dad's coming home. And he's like knocking things all over the place. And he seems to be clumsy, which was not a character trait that I recall from the first movie. And is also interesting because I realized after I wrote this note, coming back to it, it doesn't play into the story at all, as far yeah. as I'm aware, in from it's the rest like of the just film. Just for that opening bit. It's just the opening bit, but they never ever for the rest of the film do they ever have a moment where he's like clumsy and it causes a problem. But is that clumsiness a character trait from the book? I don't recall it ever being mentioned in the book. That, like specifically that he's clumsy yeah he's chubby and not athletic in the book and those things are harped on quite a bit mm-hmm. so i guess it's not a stretch i guess it could be the movies inter- because he's not overweight in the movie right maybe they were like well we'll make him clumsy like as his physical you know thing he has to overcome i think yeah the, uh, they just wanted to give him a little more uh of a of a character trait yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, the thing that was really weird to me is that it never comes back. Not once. You know, you have a whole scene where he's climbing, like, d- dangerous stairs on the mm-hmm. on the side of the, you know, those like, handholds on the side of the castle at the end, or in, in the middle of the movie. And you would think, like, his clumsiness would play a role there. Doesn't seem to. I don't know. This is weird to me. It's interesting. Uh, speaking of uh, sort of new character traits, he's trying out for the swim team in the, in the movie. And he has to go on the high dive and we find out he is deathly afraid of heights and he can't do the high dive. And so he doesn't make the swim team because he's too scared to do the high dive. And this uh, is it agoraphobia. Is that the fear of heights? No, I think agoraphobia is people. I think that's going outside. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know what it is either. Whatever. His fear of heights. Is that a character trait of Bastion from the book? Uh, no, he's never on any swim team in the book. Um, the only mm, kind okay. of sports thing that's mentioned is having to climb the rope in gym class. Um, and that, that was in the first half of the book and he mm-hmm. can't do it. And everyone's making fun of him, including the teachers. And it's a point of contention for him. 
so there is some inspiration for like being humiliated in like a gym class setting but it's not like in that it's, it sounds like it's just he can't physically do it versus mm-hmm. like he's has some sort of scared, fear yeah. or something like, yeah i will say that like the only thing i that like came back to me from ever seeing this movie was that scene at the beginning where he can't jump off the high dive board because i have seen this before but like i that's the only thing i remembered and like i used to swim as a kid in like the local like rec center and there was this Mm -hmm. huge diving board and it scared the hell out of me and i was like (laughs) i could never ever go up there it seemed so tall i don't know how tall it really was but it it was probably just like the one in the movie yeah (laughs) I've done, I remember doing, cause yeah, I used to swim quite a bit as a kid. I did the, the middle dive. I don't know if I, I don't know if our, I don't know if I ever went to a pool that had like the super high dive mm-hmm. like that. I think we had one like, cause there's like that middle one on the one he's at in the movie. And I think we had one that was about that height. And I remember going off that one. Um, but yeah, it's, I can't imagine going off one at, at, at his age. That's like 30. Is that, a, is that a thing to be on like a middle school swim team? I wouldn't think to, at like, that age that they would the do high high, I mean, there's diving in high school. Right. But isn't, well, like I don't know. The, I, the one at my rec center kids that young were jumping off it, but like yeah. f- as a competition for like a sports team. I yeah. I think it so. seems unlikely. It also is weird because, and maybe I could be wrong. I was never on the swim team and I, I have some friends who were, so there's a chance that like, in high school or in a younger because obviously once you get older you don't if you're on the swim team there are people who swim and there are divers that you well, don't right that was, both. Like, that was the thing that was odd to me was that i think i was thinking of it more in terms of like okay like you can be on the track team but yeah. not everybody on the track team does a high, the high jump yeah mm. like some of them are sprinters some of them are yeah. distance runners and yeah the swimming would be the same way but there's a chance that in high school with a small enough team that maybe they have to like you have Everybody to be able to, to do, do everything, everything. <laughs> to su- at least to some extent. Like there may be Sounds kids who horrible. are better at swimming and kids who are better at diving. But you, I don't know. It's just weird. I thought it was interesting. If you're if you're on a swim team and, and at a young age, did you have to dive? <laughs> was that like required or could you just swim? I don't know. Or was the coach just mean? Because that might yeah, have been maybe the coach, yeah, yeah, maybe the coach mean. was just mean. That could be it. Uh, speaking of other new things, uh, as we're introduced to Bastion in this film, he gets home after the swim meet and uh, his dad's there microwaving a pizza for him, which is very 80s or like early <laughs> 90s lady. It's like microwaving a frozen pizza. Ugh, gross. Just, he have, they have an oven. Put it in the <laughs> oven. What are you doing? And uh, But Bastion is wearing a like an incredibly ratty sweater. And at first I was like, before the the conversation about it, I was like, is that just like a fashion thing or is he like, <laughs> it's like, no like longer just... a sweater. It's a vest now. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, even it has, have these are completely gone. It has no arms and it has giant gaping holes through the middle of it. And it's like completely falling apart. And I was like, okay. But then they explained that his mom gave him this for Christmas and he's, you know, he's very attached to it because his mom passed away. Um, is he have sort of that keepsake sweater memento in the book? Uh, no, I don't recall anything like that in the book. Okay. Does he have anything of his mom's that he like holds on to that you recall? I don't recall that he ever Mm -hmm. mentioned anything that he like hangs on to like that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it also is one of those things that doesn't ever really come back in any way. He doesn't like. Like we see the memory later yes, of her yeah. giving it to him, At but it, yeah, it doesn't come back in like a meaning. I was way. expecting like from my, and again, I, cause I remembered so little about what actually happens in the film. I was kind of expecting there to be like a, a moment where he like gives it up or like, or, or, or like is able to like put it away or something mm-hmm. as he like moves. I don't know. They, they, yeah. 
Interesting. Does the childlike empress, who is now just the childlike empress again, I, I didn't have a question about this, but I do want to talk about it. <laughs> um, does the childlike empress call him back to Fantasia in the in the book? Because in the film, he has left, and now he has to return to Fantasia. Right. Well, in the book, he's just still in Fantasia. Right. That's kind of what um, I figured. Yes, we don't have to reestablish anything with him in the real world. And it's really, it's neither here nor there because it's just different. But for starting where it does, I do think that the movie does a good job of setting up like who Bastion is and what his conflicts are and some reminders about how he can get to Fantasia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does a pretty good job. So I don't have this question here, but since I mentioned the childlike empress, I have to ask it because I, I meant to ask this and I forgot. Does is she from the rest of the from that this point in the book to the end, is she still called the childlike empress or is she called um Moonchild? She's she's called Moonchild. Okay. And yeah. Katie, correct me if I'm wrong. She doesn't show up again in the second half of the book at all, right? No, oh, we no. don't okay. see her at all. You've read oh, it okay. more. I've read it two weeks ago now, so there's yeah. some details yeah. I'm a little fuzzy on. She's talked right, about right. a lot, and she's a big part of the plot, but we never actually see her we again. Yeah. Her. But and she is referred to as Moonshine. They, I think mm -hmm. they do occasionally call her the childlike empress still. Okay. They kind of use both, but right. like mostly Moonchild. But in the movie, they never say Moonchild. Right. Not once yeah. in this movie. It's yeah, like it we, never uh, happened. Yeah, in the second half of the book, we literally never see her again. Okay. Uh, right. To go back thought, to your previous point, Katie, about yeah. how the movie like sets up like who Bastion is and stuff. I thought mm -hmm. that was really good too because like there's people who either haven't seen the first movie or just need like a reminder of like what his deal is. But like the whole like scene where he goes into the bookstore, that's like exactly the same from the, yes. <laughs> the first yeah. movie. Like the little moment like where identical. he leaves and then he smiles and it's like, yeah. it's like literally the exact same yeah. scene. They're like, what if we just do the same thing again? <laughs> they got the same <laughs> actor back. I like that. Yeah. The only one who returned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of new characters uh, and old characters, but new characters, we have Nimbly, the bird creature, uh, who as soon as Bastion arrives in Fantasia, lands to kind of talk to Bastion and be like, oh, you can use Arn to make wishes. And he's working for uh, Zaidi. He's working for Zaida as like her hench, hench bird. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's like trying to convince Bastion to make wishes so that he'll lose his memory or whatever uh, for the for the evil uh, Zaida lady. Um, and I want to know if bird character with human eyeballs is from the book. Uh, no, that character is not in the book at all. At no. all. No flying birds. No big birds. Zero bird characters. I did love any moment in the film where they they had they had like clear um uh, like uh, cable shots where they like pulled the whole actor in a bird suit just like up and away <laughs> yeah. as he flew away. <laughs> yeah. It was super cool. <laughs> I actually kind of think his character design was kind of interesting. The, the The human eyeballs are a little disconcerting. Mm -hmm. Like at times the way, I don't know, something about the way he looks. But over, they did a pretty good job disguising his face, I felt like. I thought his yeah. like was pretty solid, yeah. Yeah. yeah I overall, I like, I like it. Uh, speaking of Zaida... When we were first introduced to her in the movie, uh, Nimbly walks up to her and she's like in her chamber and she has to magically apply her face. Literally, she has like a blank slate of a face, like a kind of like a, it looks like blurred out, but it's just like a blank face. And she uses some magic potion juice and <laughs> magic's on her face. 
Is that something she has to do in the book or does in the book? Because I thought that was creepy and interesting. No, I don't think so. Um, which <laughs> seems like a really strange thing to add. I mean, pretty cool, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't remember that in the book. My guess is they wanted to just give her as much of a sort of ominous introduction yeah, she's as possible. Evil. Yeah, something creepy. Yeah. It also reminded me of, uh, I don't know if either of you have ever seen the tra- traumatizing classic Return to Return Oz. To Oz. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I was just it thinking made me that. think of, uh, yeah, the princess who can switch her heads out. Oh. It's very, like, I thought, felt yeah. like reminiscent of that scene. Yeah. It also, I think there's a little sort of meta joke in there about, like, a woman putting her face on. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. obviously, you know, like that. <laughs> I feel like that's there and that sort of thing. It also kind of reminds me of the scene, you know, when, um, like when you first see Darth Vader and he's get I don't know if it's the first time you see him, but one of the first times in at least in one of the movies where he's he's getting his helmet on and you see him from behind and like you see his white head and then it's like and it locks his helmet on and then he turns around and we're mm-hmm. able to see him. I don't know. There's like that element of like mystery and mm-hmm. intrigue to this character that you don't know much about. Um, I thought it was a fun. I thought it was interesting. The effect looks OK. Like it, it would have been creepier if they hadn't done it digitally. Like if they if they had done like a prosthetic and done, found a way to hide the cut, like if the, yeah. the if the, her non face yeah. was a prosthetic as opposed to like a it's just kind of like a blurred out <laughs> yeah face. it's like they digitally like colored over her face instead of yeah. putting her in like a smooth like yeah prosthetic that would have been creepy yeah. that would have been super creepy if it was like a smooth <laughs> prosthetic and they just hid the cut somehow would have been really cool but it's still still kind of creepy uh so the I I know this now because it was in the um. To let me sum up, but uh, is Aaron, does he have, does Bastion get Aaron and is he able to make wishes upon it? Because I don't recall that being an element at all in the first one. I mean, they don't have Aaron mm-hmm. or maybe they were, it was an element. Does he wish on it at one point in the first one? I can't Who, remember. Atreyu? Oh, does Atreyu? Atreyu has it. Atreyu has it. Does he ever wish on it in the first no, one? No, it just kind of guides no. him. Sometimes he might be like, show me the way yeah. kind of, but he doesn't make uh, okay. wishes. That's that's okay. Bastion. Gotcha. So Bastion makes wishes in this one. And uh, and so I want to know if the wishes is a thing. And also, does it then steal his memories? And again, spoilers from the let me sum up. The answer is yes. But go ahead. <laughs> right. So he does make wishes on Arin. Arin like grants his every desire, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does lose memories. Okay doing it, which in the book, the loss of memory is a consequence of using Arin. Like, it's like a yeah. pay the side toll man kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure in the movie, because I felt like at the beginning, they set up that Zaida is somehow, is doing, somehow it. doing it, where she's got her, she has her that memory device. machine device thing. A really cool looking thing that's like a head in a glass ball with liquid yeah. that drains and then turns into little crystal balls that roll down and fall into the bottom. And those are the memories. It's really cool. But it does imply that she's somehow doing this. Right. But then later on, Atreyu and Falcor are talking, and Atreyu says that Arin takes his memories away because he's human. Yeah. And that's just how it works, which is what the case is in the book. Right. So I, f- I feel like the movie was kind of selling us both things here. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And sure. that just made it confusing. It did yeah. make it a little confusing because, yeah, it does seem like she's she's doing it maybe i don't know and she's I don't like care tricking like him into wishing basically yeah yeah, yeah she's trying to get thing. yeah she's trying to use people to make 
make him use his wishes because he has like a set number. <laughs> He's got like yeah. 300 wishes or whatever, and then he loses all of his memories. I did. I do. I mean, I will say that I just love that device so much that I'm okay with them that change, even though it makes it a little confusing. That thing is so cool looking. It's it's awesome. Uh, so this is one of my favorite things in the movie that I remembered as a kid very vividly from when I watched this movie a bunch is uh, Zaida's giants, the monsters that come out of the ground uh, and chase Bastion around, and they first show up in the Silver City, uh, and they kind of break through the ground and terrorize the citizens of of Silver City. And uh, they look in the movie, they look kind of like lobster. I don't even know. They kind of look like shellfish of some sort or something. Yeah, they have like, yeah, a shellfishy look. Uh, and I, they're super cool, I think. They're kind of, they have moments that they don't look as good. But some of the close-ups and stuff are really cool. And I like their weird weapons. Anything about those creatures from the book. Um, well, Zaida does control giant empty suits of armor in the book, so okay. pretty close. They are not mentioned to look like lobsters. Okay. Their faces kind of look like they remind me of bats. Yeah, the, yeah, um, they do have but kind of not bat the cute faces. bats, the scary bats. No, um, but yeah. I thought they were creepy looking in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I was. I would have been freaked out by that as a little kid. <laughs> I remember thinking they were creepy as a kid, but also thinking they were cool. And they, there's moments where they look really good, but there's other moments, like especially later when they're like tipping them over, that they mm-hmm. they kind of <laughs> they kind of like, just know, they look so over. yeah, they're like super unwieldy and like yeah. they kind of like wobble around. Like, they can't really just, move a lot because they're so yeah, you know, lumbering kind of. Yeah, and they have like those little pincer feet. They just kind of like. <laughs> Like yeah, but one and one of the things I thought was really funny in the movie that I forgot about is this that moment where he's running from them in the Silver City when they first show up, and they're like he runs through like a, a tunnel and he's standing on that edge of the pool and it's trying to get into him. And we've seen these things walking this so far, and they kind of like teeter totter, you know, mm-hmm. like crab walk. And then all of a sudden, that one is trying to get to him, and it's like clearly on wheels, ramming into the. Yeah, <laughs> it's on wheels. <laughs> like ramming. It's so weird. It's like, wait, they have wheels now. What is going on? Uh, so then he he escapes the the evil lobsters bats, the evil lobster bat suits of armor, and he falls down a tunnel in beneath the Silver City and ends up in a room that I cannot recall the name of. It has a name. It was like the room of secret plots or something yes, like that. It, yes, that, that is what mm. it was. And uh, it's very strange. He's instantly, there's a woman who's like in a fan, who has yeah. a fan underneath her, just blowing uh, her, her garments all up in the air. There's a woman who is a harp playing herself and singing. Then there's a mud creature who's just like mud or something. And then there's like a mountainy lava-y thing. And it's all real trippy and weird, and they basically speak all in riddles. And then uh, ultimately, he gets the the uh, "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi" message from uh, from the childlike Empress, and that's mm-hmm. what spurs him on his journey. But that room is real weird, and I wanted to know if any of that was from the book. Uh, that scene is not from the book at all. No, no, none of those <laughs> characters it, are in the book. If it is something i got a real weird vibe from that scene like a weird kind of sexual vibe i felt like he had fallen into a brothel yeah it's that was underneath the city it's very strange and then the creatures 
I it yeah, it's one of those scenes that I forgot about until we were rewatching it, and then I've had a very vivid memory, like came clicking yeah. back into place. Yeah, I just I was the minute I saw it, I was just like, I don't know what this is, and and <laughs> like, and then they kind of give him his like mission, but that's not really from the book either. It was just comp- yeah. completely yeah. fabricated. And and it's funny because they kind of give him his mission, but then ultimately the childlike empress like shows up as a hologram and also tells him what he needs to do. So it's like, what was the point of them? She could have just showed up and be like, find me, save me, Bash. Yeah, it's just like put more weird things in here, I guess. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I do like I do like the that the uh the the fan lady just shows up the rest of the film like every now and then like whenever he's in the silver city she's just like in the background like there she's, she's like, the only one of those characters too that shows up again she's like uh kind of a version of one of those things outside of like a car dealership yeah yeah she's, like, she's kind of waving her arms like that the wacky inflatable arm guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I guess the other ones were too difficult to move around. Like, yeah. she was easy. They just move a fan underneath her and put her wherever. Like the other <laughs> one, like that mud creature. They're like, this is the only set that that goes in. So, so uh, after he go- needs to go on his mission, he realizes he needs to fly because it would take way too long to walk. I guess to the the ca- the castle where Zaida is, and so he needs to fly. And so he's going to use Arin to wish for a flying creature, and he wishes for a dragon, an, a giant evil dragon named. Gurg, Grug, Smurg, 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 uh, and it ends up like burning half the city down and wreaking havoc. Uh, and then old, there's a big fun chase scene because Falcor then just shows up. It's like, yeah, did you forget about Falcor? Like, yeah, right. why did you wish for this dragon when you know Falcor exists? Uh, and then he, uh, so they have to chase down the dragon and it just gets fucking electric. It gets, gets bug zappered by the <laughs> by the castle and explodes. And I want to know if any of that with the dragon is in the book. Ah, uh, okay. So this is something that I had in better in the book. That's where I would put this. Okay. So Smurg is in the book, but he's way weirder. I mean, the movie tried. Yeah. Like they they gave it their best shot, and like like you said, it doesn't make sense that he'd invent Smurg to fly to the hand shaped castle. They would just take Falcor. Yeah. Like, when that part of the movie was on and he was like, oh, we need a creature that flies, I thought that was just going to be Falcor's cue. He was going to, like, come on screen and be like, I'm here. Yeah. Um, But in the book, he invents Smurg because there's this other character who wants to be a hero, but there aren't any monsters for him to fight, Mm. which is a simplified version of what happens. But that's basically the gist of it. It's, It's not super important. But I'm going to read you this description of Smurg, of Smurg okay. because it is it's pretty whack. <laughs> it's something. His wings are made of slimy skin and their spread is 100 feet. When he isn't flying, he stands on his hind legs like a gigantic kangaroo. He has the body of a mangy rat and the tail of a scorpion with a sting at the end of it. He has the hind legs of a giant grasshopper. His forelegs, however, which look small and shriveled, resemble the hands of a small child. He can pull in his long neck as a snail does its feelers. There are three heads on it. One is large and looks like the head of a crocodile. From its mouth, he can spit icy fire. But where a crocodile has eyes, it has protuberances. These are extra heads. 
One resembles the head of an old man. With it, he can see and hear. But he talks with the second head, which has the wrinkled face of an old woman. <laughs> that is wild. It yeah. sounds like something like a little kid would make up. It's like making it up as they go. <laughs> yes, yes, very much. It, it also sounds a little biblical. Like it elements in the beginning of like just slamming together in animal like, yeah. like revelation <laughs> style, like just slamming together animal body parts. Um I will say that the one in the movie does have those weird protuberant eyes. Yeah, it does have like eye stalks. Eye stalks, but they're just eyes. And it would be so weird and confusing if the if the movie never addressed it, but if at the end of those eye stalks was just an old man's head <laughs> and an old lady's head, I'd be like, What in the world is that? Yeah. And I didn't feel like that creature was one of the strongest creatures in the movie like d design no, yeah. and execution wise uh -uh. um but like i love that how he uh he created it and then like it immediately goes bad and starts destroying the city it's yeah. like oh shit and yeah. that kind of happens in the book it, it's not like that but it, it flies off and, and goes um it like uh like katie mentions it captures a princess so that the the hero can go save save uh mm. save her but then bastion kind of thinks like someone could probably get hurt by that thing maybe that was a bad idea yeah. he just kind of he has like after he, yeah after he does it he has this moment like oh maybe i shouldn't have done that <laughs> that might have been a bad idea <laughs> i am also desperately interested to know if the dragon is called smurg in the original german mm. it's just so close to being smaug it really is it's yeah. it's like the off-brand version of smaug <laughs> I'm betting those are both based on some Germanic word. Or, Probably, like, you yeah. know, that, that means like yeah, fire or Tolkien smoke or that. something like that would be my guess. Yeah. Um, we did. We had a few people message us to weigh in on the translated names last time. So yeah. hopefully some German can fans, help us out here again. let us know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my next question is other new characters that may or may not be from the book. And that is Rockbiter returns uh, with his baby, Junior, who is a toddler rock giant who runs around screaming and is terrifying slash adorable i'm not sure which mm, i don't know if i'd say adorable is, Ro is junior in the book no no rock biter baby <laughs> and that thing is horrifying <laughs> it's really it's like yet another reason not to have children <laughs> <laughs> yes they might look like they might rock look biter like baby <laughs> It, Just, it, it, it screams yeah, and yeah, I don't like it. I yeah. Although good to disagree. see that Rockbiter is uh, doing doing good. Yeah, where's where's Mrs. Rockbiter? <laughs> yeah, or does he just or does he just like produce like you know like they this just, is just like yeah. split off of him? Like it's like an avalanche happens and then it's like ah, oh. it's my baby, yeah. Rockbiter Junior. There you go. Uh, so is Rockbiter even in the second? Uh, half? no, he never comes back. No. Okay. okay. I thought I remember you saying that he wasn't, or maybe he it's wasn't, not so, like yeah, in the movie, the the first movie where he kind of just resets everything and everyone's back. It's more yeah. in the book. It's more like slowly um, he creates Fantasia again, and mm -hmm. uh, really the only people who are back are like Moonchild and Atreyu and uh, Valcor, I think. Uh, so this was interesting. Uh, one of his missions on this that he says is like. Okay, well, I have to because, you know, in the first one, he had to name the childlike empress. So they did a similar thing in this one. He has to name whatever this new mystical force that is corrupting Fantasia and making the rocks empty 
uh, and like so that the rock biter isn't getting any nutrition out of them. And uh, ultimately later they find out that it's also like the, 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 the lobster creature things are hollow. Uh, and I was, he's like, I need to name it. He's like, I'll have to name it. And I'm like, well, it's clearly the nothing, right? Like, is that not the nothing? Like, I felt like I was going crazy. Like, you know what this is already. It's the nothing. And then later we find out he does name it, that it's the emptiness. And I was a little confused at, I wanted to know if this whole emptiness thing is in the book and why it's not just the nothing or what's going on with that. (laughs) So the short answer is no. Okay. And no. (laughs) Uh, Bastion does name some things throughout the second half of the book, but there's not an overarching, like, bad thing like there is in the first movie slash first half of the book. I I don't necessarily mind the movie mirroring the nothing with the emptiness. There is, like, this theme of emptiness in in the book because uh, Zaida can control empty things, which is why her, like, uh, uh, metal things are empty, and that's why Mm -hmm. she wants to essentially make um, Bastion empty inside so she can control him. Um, But it's not, like, something that's, like, affecting the landscape or or the world, and I kind of just felt like a bad sequel, like... The, the yeah. nothing yeah. to the emptiness. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's, it's back. Like the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty similar. I will say that it's interesting that I, cause I don't know if I either miss that in the movie or if they don't even try to, to make that clear in the movie that Zaida can control empty things. It's, it's not, I don't think it's specifically said, but I think she does say like, I'll make his head empty, you know, and then you find out that her uh, soldiers are empty. Maybe it's more up to you to kind of make that connection. Interesting. I could see to me, the way I read it, um, it was that it's just like things are becoming empty, similar to how the nothing is just kind of consuming things and, and her control over whatever she had control over. I thought didn't really have anything to do with it or it wasn't the vibe I got in the movie. I thought she was just like, she's just a sorceress and she can control these creep. They're like, do her mm-hmm. bidding or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that, that is makes, I don't know why they wouldn't have just made that clear. Cause that is an interesting idea of like, she can control things that are empty and then that tying into her motivation for, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that makes more sense in the book. But speaking of Zaida's, uh, Zaida and her castle in the movie we have, he has to get to the five, I don't know what it's called. They keep giving, they keep calling it something, but it looks like a giant hand. Basically it's got like five fingers. Uh, and I want to know if this hand castle is in the movie and also, or in the book. And also does it shoot death lasers from its <laughs> fingertips? Cause that's awesome. Uh, yep. Uh, she, Zaida does live in a hand castle, castle shaped like a hand and it has like eyes on it that are the windows. It does have a mm. name. I can't remember what it is. Yes, so. it does. I couldn't. Yeah. yeah. I don't have my book with me. It's not important. Uh, yeah. I don't remember there being lasers though. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall any mention of lasers, no lasers either. I thought it was funny in the movie too, that the lasers seem to have like a targeting mode and then like a, they like when, when, cause when Bastion gets hit by the laser, it like it's blue and he's like ah oh, it like hurts or whatever mm-hmm. but then it like turns red and starts focusing in it's like gonna zap them and blow them up it's i like guess or whatever set phasers to kill yeah exactly <laughs> i thought it was really interesting um yeah a just like uses Aaron as a mirror I don't, I don't know the whole scene was wild but uh no death lasers in the book which is disappointing this is one of the moments that stuck out my most in my head from <laughs> as a child is these things 
is Atreyu shows up to storm the castle. They're, him and Bastion are going to go, you know, break into the castle uh, to... I, I don't know what their plan is at this point. Ultimately, their plan becomes, like, we're going to hold Zaida hostage and make her free the childlike empress. But I, I guess that was their plan the whole time. But in order to get in, they have to... They need help. And Atreyu has a bag full of tie-dyed eggs that he sets down, who that then burst open, and little tiny creatures riding vehicles come out that also were shooting fireworks and it's wild and this seems to distract the lobster monster thingies and it's very strange and i don't ultimately they just kind of like use it as a distraction and run like a tray you just or bastion just kind of runs past the guards i guess while this is happening is any of that from the book those things are i don't know if they're awesome but as a kid <laughs> i they vividly stuck in my memory uh that was really something in the movie it's not from the book not at all not at all that really struck me as like a like a home alone kind of gadget yeah. yeah it's a it's an odd moment i feel like it doesn't fit in the world of no the movie. you know no. what i thought i thought that like because there's like actually like three like warriors that travel with them in the book i thought maybe they were going to somehow be in the bag and they were going to pop out or, or something yeah yeah um because no. he does say warriors he does yeah. sure you does call them warriors he's like i have my but warriors it's like where did he like get that. those what are those uh, yeah no <laughs> idea and then the thing that's really weird is that they end up just being like fireworks i think they're supposed to be creatures but, but they look like little wind-up toys. They yeah. look like wind-up toys, and I can't tell if in the movie they're supposed to be living creatures, and the effect they did to make that was just like these little like firework wind-up toy-looking mm -hmm. things, or if they're supposed to actually be just like little firework wind-up toys in the universe. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Yeah, me, I don't know. Because we know we know tiny creatures exist. Right. So it, I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was weird, but I like. I, I guess I liked it. I don't know. As you can kid, like it. it. It's okay. It, <laughs> well, as a kid, I liked it. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense or why, you know, but as a kid, I remember thinking that it was cool because I liked fireworks as a kid. And he's like, mm. he's got these dope fireworks that come out of eggs. <laughs> Tie-dyed eggs. We're just like got all the holidays slammed into one here. He's got tie-dyed <laughs> Easter eggs and fireworks come out of them. And they're in a sack like Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Sack like Santa. We got every holiday. <laughs> Yeah, every every holiday. That's right. You heard me. All three, all three of them that exist. Uh, as they're getting ready to go uh, do their mission uh, or something, uh, Bastion's like, "All right, I'm going to go in there." And he goes, "Give me five to Atreyu." And this is like a running gag with Atreyu in this movie is he doesn't understand like Earth turns of phrases, mm -hmm. uh, which was not a thing in the first movie. From well, they're not together to be fair much in the first movie. Um, and he, he says, give me five what? Or give you five what? And I remember that line as a kid made me laugh a lot. Is it in the book? Uh, no, none of those cute little moments are in the book. Um, mm, although yeah. the book was written in like the late 70s, maybe people didn't say give me five back then. Yeah, I don't know what the history of Gimme Five. <laughs> they probably either, did, yeah. but you know, like we could probably <laughs> look up the Wikipedia on on we high fives. <laughs> <laughs> the high five history dive. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, Bastion then has to climb into the the hand castle, and he gets to the the side of the castle, and there's like a few handholds, and he starts climbing, but then oh no, there's nowhere to go, and he has to use Orn, and he starts wishing for every single handhold. And he keeps saying, and another one, 
and another one mm-hmm. and it felt stupid and i'm like dude why why is that how you're doing this why don't you wish for a jetpack why are you the most uncreative kid that has ever existed and every time uh, he loses a memory every step so he yeah. lost like yeah. 30 memories just just going yeah. up there yeah is that scene from the book because i thought it was i mean i get it, it like it because I get the tension of the scene and how it's effective because I remember mm-hmm. as a kid being like, no, every single time he's listening. like, I get it and it works, but it's also kind of dumb. Is it in the book? It's not. Okay. No, I was just like, oh, my God, you idiot. Just say I wish for a flight of stairs to take me all the way. Up. Or go. like you said, a jetpack, but done. Yeah. Just, I, I, if I was him right off the bat, I wish for a jetpack. Boom. <laughs> done. I mean, I, like, I, this it. goes with the next thing in here but like it's weird that like bastion in the movie is is kind at first he's kind of like hesitant to even make wishes almost like he knows that you shouldn't Mm -hmm. do it but like he doesn't at that point so it was yeah it is weird because you are right like immediately from the beginning he's like no he won't do it like he doesn't he he hesitates for a while uh, yeah because the the bird tells him to do it right away and he's like no he's like wish the water into yeah because it's acid or whatever he goes wish it into water and bastion's like no what if it needs to be acid i'm not gonna do that no like yeah he's hesitant but then from like towards the end he's just like bam let's go wishing which for is every step. like interesting because if i had been given a magic wishing necklace as a kid yeah would have been all wishes all the time <laughs> yeah right off the bat let's go speaking of wishing for things they get into the castle uh and he he saves atreyu from the giant pit of death He's like trapped hanging on a chain over a giant lava pit um, and he breaks them free. But now they have to fight the lobster monsters and they need a weapon. Bastion's like, or Atreyu's like, we need weapons. And and Bastion wishes for a spray can. And Atreyu says, a sp- is a spray can a weapon where you're from? And I was like, first off, Atreyu, how do you know what a spray can is? <laughs> <laughs> Second... Why did he wish for a spray can? It is a good line, though, because he goes, is it a spray can, a weapon? He goes, yeah, people use it against walls, which makes me chuckle. <laughs> but it, does he wish for a spray can to fight anybody with in the book? Um, He does not. Okay. I don't know. That was a weird moment for me. I was like, he could have wished for anything. Well, yeah. what could he would like have I, wished for? Like, you know, a sword would they could just like run into it. He used he did something small and creative made them blind so they would fall over like you can't fight like brawn with brawn is kind of what i was getting out of it yeah (laughs) it is it is creative but it seems the thing that was funny to me is it almost seems like he doesn't know what he's gonna do with it at first when he wishes (laughs) yeah he's like a spray can uh and then he seems like maybe he's not good at this it didn't seem like he had a plan and then all of a sudden he's like oh i'll spray him in the face with it it's like okay you should have come up with that plan before you wished for a spray can i kind of thought in this moment because he does get a sword in the book. Oh, does he? He gets like a magic sword that is, only works for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought they might like yeah. s- sneak that in here in the movie, but hmm. just a spray can. Just a spray can. Just maces. Uh, maybe they, they didn't want to be like violent and put kids, put weapons in kids' hands, maybe. You know? Yeah. Maybe. It's possible. Yeah. Because he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't use any weapons at any point in this movie. No. He just kind of wishes his way through it. Um, uh, but. Sp- you know who does use weapons in this movie <laughs> freaking Atreyu which was hilarious to me is he literally says in the scene in the scene we just talked about he's like we need a weapon Bastion and then the next scene they go and they storm the throne room and Atreyu has a bow and arrow and I'm like wait where was your bow all right <laughs> had it the whole time um 
Yeah, apparently he had it the whole time. Uh, but they storm into the room, and this line is amazing. Because, <laughs> like, Zaida refuses to help them, and Atreus just pulls his bow out and aims at her and says, perhaps she feels it's a good day to die. And I was like, all right, Atreyu, <laughs> Fucking hard-ass over here. Uh, is that line in the book? Does he threaten to murder Zaida <laughs> with his bow? <laughs> that line is not in the book, but it it is chef's kiss. <laughs> I loved it. He says it like a couple times. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 Well, he says it earlier in before they go into the castle. They're like, oh, I don't know if this will work. And he goes, well, it's a good day to die. And it's like, why is this a Treyu's thing now? I'm I'm guessing because they were like, oh, my God, we got to make him look really brave because that's like what Bastion wishes he is. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. in the book, he's more, um, he's, he's softer. He's very benevolent. He still has the same, like, uh, like I would do anything for Bastion, like energy, but he's not as violent as this. <laughs> not rolling around with a bow and arrow threatening to murder <laughs> <No>. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that moment in the movie. It just makes me crack up. Uh, so speaking of other fun gadgets, he gets, he ends up, they, they take Zaida and she's going to take him to the childlike empress or says she's going to. Uh, but really her plan is to sort of corrupt uh, Bastion in her sweet, like, horseless carriage thing, uh, which has a name. Uh, she calls it, I assume that was in the book, or was it not, that carriage thing that she wants? Oh, in? I don't know. Because she calls it something it in the movie some that I can't weird remember. Name. I can't. Yeah, it doesn't Yeah, it matter. had a name in the book, too. Oh, so it was in the book. Well, it, not like a, yeah, it, yeah, her, her carriage thing is in the book. But she calls it like a... Gosh, I know. And you don't have to look for it. It's fine. I because she also calls it that in the movie, but I just can't. Well, like later, like they refer to her and her carriage and her like group of people as a litter, and I was like, what is that? That's what I'm thinking Um, of. Oh, and I was like, that just must be like another name for like a like a entourage or like a motorcade or something like that. It's just I'd never heard it referred to as a, a litter before. But no, yeah, me either. I thought she called it something weird, like a velocipede or something. She, she I don't probably, know. I, I, maybe she probably making, did. <laughs> I might be making that up, but that, that's good. Um, yeah, I think it kind of works. So he, she gets it. He gets. She gets in there, or he gets in there with her, and she gives him this belt that has a sweet eyeball on it that is like an actual eyeball in the movie, which is creepy and cool. Uh, but when he wears it and he pushes a button, it turns him invisible. Does he get a sweet invisibility belt in the mo- in the book? Yes, he does. And it more or less looks the same. Um, it doesn't have an eye on it, though. Mm, that's the coolest part in the movie. Is that weird, yeah. creepy eyeball that like blinks when he when he, he, he does it. put it on and he's like, ah, I can't see myself. Like that's that's straight from the book. Does he have to wish it off? No. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was dumb. I was like, wait, what? Just take what it off. Just switch, just switch the switch back the other way. Like, why? Okay, great. Um, obviously, the movie's just trying to, like, oh, everything she's finding you do, ways to just make wish him. it. Yeah. 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 Does Zaida slowly corrupt Bastion and turn him against Atreyu? Uh, and then does Bastion murder Atreyu? He just tosses him off a cliff and straight up <laughs> murders him in the movie. I was like, wow. Does that happen in the book? Uh,. <laughs> So Zaida does do a lot to turn Bastion against Atreyu, but in in the book it doesn't all come from her or even start with her. Okay. Um, Bastion kind of already has like some suspicions before we even meet Zaida. Suspicions about like Atreyu. Yeah, yeah. mostly because Atreyu um, wants to uh, help Bastion get home, and Bastion, yeah, he 
he doesn't quite like voice it yet, but he doesn't want to go home, right? And he's like, they're just trying uh, to get rid of me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, it is, it is kind of a funny moment in the book because they're like traveling and then a tray is like don't you think you should be heading home <laughs> yeah boy it, looking kind of late <laughs> he kind of almost says that like yeah. seemingly like as soon as bastion got to um, uh, Fantasia. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all right time for you to leave get out of here huh. um and bastion does not throw a tray you off a cliff in the book but he does grievously wound him whoa at one stabs point, him which, like in the chest yeah <laughs> yeah God, it, might, it might be like a slash not a stab but he doesn't i don't think that bastion knows if he's okay or not so the sentiment is yeah still he doesn't know for a while if he's okay or not yeah well he doesn't know in the movie either or like because i didn't i didn't realize it's like oh it looks like he hurt him mm-hmm. or you know knocked him out in the movie but then later we find out nope he was dead <laughs> like yeah. apparently he was just i was dead. surprised the movie <laughs> went there you know yeah 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 uh, so does nimbly uh he's not in the book all right then remind us i just realized as soon as i started asking this because uh, in the movie he uh, or in the movie he like turns on uh zaida and he helps bastion save the day and he's motivated by this like very weird meta realization about the never-ending story and how they're all in a never-ending story because he sees the memory of bastion with his mom it's. I think it works, but it's completely fabricated for the it, movie. It apparently. is, but I thought it was a really good moment because, I mean, I didn't know that, like, this bird was going to end up being a good character, and it was kind of nice. It's like, oh, he's yeah. kind of been yeah. within the whole movie, and then, like, he's he's moved mm-hmm. by Bastion's memory. I thought it was it was cute, and I, I think it was good. Yeah, I actually like that moment. I like, as, as, as much as his character is a little grating at times, the bird, mm-hmm. he's also very interesting and mm-hmm. kind of cool and again we talked about how he's a cool de- kind of cool design um and i do like that his that that arc we have for him where he sort of it, it seems implied that he's like kind of working for zaida not necessarily because he wants to but because he kind of has to or something yeah and then that that arc he gets of of uh becoming sympathetic for bastion and then ending out helping him um and i like i even like his ending where he's just like uh i don't remember the line he says but he's like come with the bastion's like all right cool come with us and he's like nope i'm a spy gotta go, <laughs> go and do spy things the spy who leave, yeah. lives to, to spy another day or so. i don't know what he says he says something like that and i thought that was cool or he's just like nope i'm gonna go pretend i'm still working for her bye <laughs> i thought it was cool finally we get to the big uh confrontation he arrives and he has one wish left and zaid is like use your wish wish to go home and if he does that, then basically Fantasia is hers somehow. Like, because he can't right. save the childlike empress, I right. guess, at that moment. Because if he doesn't use his wish to save the childlike empress, uh, if he uses it to go home, then she gets to reign over Fantasia, I guess is the implication. Um, but he has a trick up his sleeve, which didn't feel particularly foreshadowed or set up in any way for me in the movie. But he wishes for her to have a heart. And this destroys her because she's so evil and she literally explodes well she or no her her guards explode she like mm-hmm. z- gets zaps out of existence or something yeah, she like, like vanishes into the ether yeah uh is that how he con uh vanquishes zaida in the book no none of that is from the book oh, okay I assume we're going to talk later about what happens in the book. I have a note on that later. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's, I, I gotta be honest. I'm not sure I understood 
why he realized that was what he needed to do to defeat her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it didn't I don't feel know. like the movie set that up to me at all. I mean, it's like kind of clever and like a sort of a generic, like, ah, I wish you, I wish you had empathy kind of. Yeah. But like then it, it would have made more sense if then she didn't explode then and have such a, a yeah, violent yeah. end. Yes. <laughs> yes. It would have made more sense if like she cries like she does. And then she's and like, then nice. just like turns into like a normal, yeah. like, sad person right. or something uh, it would have been yeah. more interesting more on that later yeah, she just, okay <laughs> she just, just gets zapped into nothingness and it's very strange uh, and then in order to escape fantasia and go back not escape i guess but to, in order to uh you know his his click your heels three times mm. and say there's no place like home he has to high dive off a waterfall <laughs> in fantasia to get home uh, thus conquering his fear of heights from the beginning of the film, uh, rounding out that story arc, uh, proving that he does have the courage um, to do these things. And he does, and is returned home to his father. Does that how he leaves Fantasia in the book? Does he high dive, sky, or high dive off of a waterfall? Uh, no, but it does involve water. Oh. There's a, what is it? The They call it the, the, water the waters of, of life? Of, yeah. And basically... I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. It was kind of hard to read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a so fountain like the, or something, right? Yeah, it's like a fountain and like the two snakes from Arin mm-hmm. are there and they're like a double gate. So he has to like pass through one and like he's waiting in the water. And then like when he passes through the second one is when he like crosses over Trans- and is goes able to, to go home. Huh. And the water of life. It, it like is it's like a thing right it's not just literally water it like represents something bigger you share Probably. water you share it with people <laughs> and it does i can't i've just too long ago i read the book <laughs> it's it it two weeks ago because yeah. he talks about sharing the water of life like with his father and um yeah it's mm, important okay. somehow <laughs> <laughs> I forget exactly why. <laughs> it's important somehow. Yeah. Um, it, that's also, there's a German fairy tale called The Water of Life, apparently. That does not surprise me. There's a German fairy tale for everything. Oh, it feels like they might have pulled some inspiration from that, potentially. I don't want to read this whole fairy tale, but uh, <laughs> just a skimming it, it looks like potentially Never Ending Story definitely could have pulled some there's a princess in a castle and uh, there's gates and uh, it has to do with a, a prince and his father hmm. who is yeah. dying or something. So it feels like maybe there's some some ties there. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't read the whole thing. But. All right. That's all we got for Was That in the Book? Let's go ahead. I have one question for Lost in Adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. Was it lost? Yes, Yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So I love this movie, but man, the plot is kind of incoherent. I feel like it's a kids movie. Sometimes that can happen because they don't care. Like kids don't care. They just want to watch a cool movie. Um, And one of the things that confused me is that when they get to Zaida's castle, they arrive at the gate and then they just start yelling like a a summon, like summoning her basically. And I don't know what their plan was because they never discussed a plan. I feel like in the movie. And I was like, is their plan just to like, and they don't have weapons. They don't have any way to, I don't know what their plan was when they (laughs) confronted by the giants and Zaida. Like, what were they going to do? 
and ultimately they just get captured and have to like say you know use spray cans and stuff to fight their way out (laughs) but does that happen like that in the book and if so what was their plan and maybe that was the same plan in the movie and maybe there was a scene cut i i I don't know it just felt like i was like what why are what are they doing (laughs) so they do storm zaida's castle in the book but it's not really like a climax point like it is in the movie in the book they kind of stumble across her and her castle while they're on their way to the ivory tower i think they do in the movie i can't tell i never i was never sure what they're in like obviously they needed to save the child like empress but i wasn't sure like if they were going to the i can't remember now i watched this movie last night i can't remember now so they kind of stumble across her and she ends up taking some of their company hostage and their plan in the book is for everyone else because there's um there's there's a lot of people with them at this point who have like joined their oh my god there's there's eventually thousands i think that end up joining them along the way and in the movie there's like three of them but they (laughs) they they have to yeah yeah. i I understand (laughs) so their their plan is for everyone else to make it look like they're retreating and then bastion atreyu and falcor are going to launch a stealth rescue mission and atreyu like impersonates bastion like at the front door and then like bastion sneaks in the side or something like that yeah oh okay yeah that would have been more interesting if they had done that they both just stand there and then atreyu gets captured and bastion's just like I'm gonna die. I'm gonna go climb a wall for individual (laughs) footholds. I'm gonna go go climb a wall. Bye. Uh, Idiot. (laughs) All right, it's time to get to it. We've got better in the book. You like to read? Oh yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So this is not a fault, really, because I get that the movie has to set things up that the book doesn't as well as get Bastion to Fantasia ASAP. But I did think that Bastion just like popping into Fantasia was kind of boring. Like compared to in the first movie where he has to like read the whole book and like slowly is submerged into the story. There's a meta narrative there about like losing yourself in a story for sure. Yeah. And we have to like, we're confused about what happened in between movies. Like, did he just bring the book back? He just, given, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't he have the book anymore? It went back to the store for some reason. And then, yeah, like, I guess he, his, his, yeah, he, he had some overdue fines and he had to take it back. Like, I don't know what was going on, but yeah. I also think that the messaging in the book is much better overall. Uh, when Bastion arrives in Fantasia, in the book and is given Aaron, he like immediately starts using it to wish away all of his faults. Mm. Like he wants to be handsome. He wants to be strong and courageous and wise, just like, et cetera, et cetera. And he eventually realizes that he's being a shithead, but he still has to lose all of his memories and then work to regain his true self in order to leave Fantasia and return home. 
Uh, yeah, I, I kind of had yeah. basically the same uh, note here about how Bastion's journey of like changing himself and the movie, it's like he just wants to be brave. Um, and that's kind of like, let's just pick yeah. one thing and, and that'll be like his thing. But in like the book, he wants to be better in every way, like as he perceives it. And he ends up going down like a bad path where he uh, he makes like the wrong wishes mostly about himself. He, he ends up wishing like to be feared. He wants to be worshipped. Uh, at one point, he wants to no longer feel emotion he wants to be the wisest person in the world and therefore like they have no emotion at all apparently that was one of zaid's things <laughs> she was convincing mm-hmm. him to do that and eventually he's left completely alone he has nothing he has nobody and he barely even knows who he is and uh, uh yeah i already said zaida does persuade him to make some of these negative wishes about himself but it's mostly about him and and what he uh perceives as as removing things from himself essentially until it yeah like removing his faults mm-hmm. and yeah. his flaws yeah and, and it's something that doesn't come across yeah like you said in the movie they definitely sort of focus in on being brave or whatever um as being like the thing that he kind of mm-hmm. uses rn for ultimately and then like sort of being his arc of becoming brave or whatever but there is a really interesting story in the book from what you've said of of that of that kid finding all of a sudden an easy way to turn into the person he, the kid he would, you know, the kid he wishes he could be, mm-hmm. uh, but the cost that comes with that and all that. There, there's not really much of an, there's a little bit of it in the movie, but it's so truncated because it's like, you know, there's obviously where he loses himself with and, 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 and murders a tree and whatnot, but it is so truncated in the film that he has those realizations. It seems like over the course of what, 20 minutes over the film, he goes from like good to evil back to good in like the last 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty fast. In the movie, there was, I, I could tell they were trying to hint at a little bit of him comparing himself to Atreyu when it comes to the bravery thing because Atreyu is yeah. always doing like these crazy things. Like he's he's throwing himself into, you know, dangerous situations and he says like he's willing to die to complete his mission and um, Bastion's like mm-hmm. not quite there yet. Um, so that's so it's there, but it's not uh, it's not as detailed for sure. Um, so there's a part in the book where Bastion visits uh, the desert of colors. Hmm. So it's like this huge desert with these all like different colored sand dunes, and there's this huge lion that rules over the desert, um, and he lives in like a black marble castle. The which lion I, does. And yes, doesn't the lion, the lion does. change color compared to like when he's on the different colored I sand think- dunes? I think so. I yeah, like when he steps like a on yeah, a different, yeah, like a yeah, when he steps on a different dune, he like turns a different color. And I just thought it could have been really cool. Like I think even with the VFX at the time, I think it could have been mm-hmm. pretty cool looking. Yeah, it sounds really trippy. Like I'm in mm-hmm. like, a, and it reminds me of some of the elements from the first movie a little bit more. Like like the just the Sphinx and stuff and the yeah. you know, it just kind of it, it harkens back to some of that imagery. Yeah, like yeah, when I first cool. read this book, like that was the the chapter that just like stuck out to me that I always remembered because it's just like wow that's so like cool and descriptive and and very very Mm -hmm. fantastical there's even more to it than that because the the chapter before that is the night forest and it's this forest that springs up every night and it's just like full of these crazy plants and flowers and, and giant flowers and crazy things and then like every night it it dies and turns into the desert and then the desert Dot, the the lion turns to stone every night and it, it it's it's a whole thing wow. <laughs> I, it's a lot of i can't even go into all this crazy stuff that is in the second <laughs> half of this book unfortunately bastion at that time also gets um sikanda his sword 
Oh, this is sword you mentioned. Yeah, earlier. the sword, sword of light. So they say in the book. I think April's right though. They probably just one didn't want him to have a weapon. Probably They're not. Going for like yeah, a and the sword only jumps the... into his hand um, when he's doing something brave. I think is the idea. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, because then later on, when he is fighting Atreyu, it like won't jump into his hand, and he has to like force it out of the sheath. Mm, the sword's like, uh-uh, this ain't and cool. Then he, and then he does something bad. Not a good idea. Yeah. I was a little bit sad that the movie omitted hero Heinrich, which is the the guy we mentioned earlier with Smurg. Um, oh, the, and then yeah. the Yeah, like the three other warrior adventure guys that are along with him. Uh, I think it's just missing out on some stuff that could have been interesting. Like, there's a scene where they're... Um, when Vashian arrives at the Silver City in the book, they're having this like kind of a strongman contest, mm. essentially, to like put together a team to find and protect him. Oh, Bastion? Yeah. Yeah, oh. but they don't know because like nobody knows yeah, where he is. They don't know yeah. that Bastion is Bastion at that point. They just know that he he's the the person who saved the world is somewhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then so like they're having this contest and Bastion like secretly enters it. Because at this point he's like wished himself strong it's and very everything Robin Hood fast. Yeah. He's like the fastest ever, and he does this really cool thing. But he um. does this thing because like Hero Heinrich was kind of like bad mouthing Bastion without knowing that he was really in front of him the whole time, just saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you know what's so great about this guy? Like I could I could beat him in any feat of strength or whatever." So they do this thing where um, they throw a deck of cards up in the air, and Heinrich like stabs the uh, ace of hearts just out of the air and it was like ooh and then mm. bastion does the same thing but he stabs every card in order um <laughs> i mean because that's how fast he is that's how good he <laughs> yeah. is yeah i also thought that could have been a source of maybe like some good comic relief yeah with like these these especially like the three guys who end up traveling with them mm-hmm. there's also a storytelling contest in the book which I will grant might have ended up kind of boring in the movie, but it is something that relates to the themes and to Bastion's character and what he considers himself to be actually good at making up stories. Yeah, I liked that as well. And it's throughout the the book that Bastion creates stories of, of people and places in Fantastica. And as he kind of says them out loud they just kind of come into being and that really only happens with smurg in the in the movie um but at least it's in the movie that like he creates things stories you know yeah and it's kind of like a trippy like mind melt in the book this because it's this idea that like when he speaks these stories they just always existed yeah, oh, in, so in like the world the, yeah, of Fantasia, they, yeah. they're just like, oh, that thing has always been there. But he he's like, well, uh, I think I just created that like last night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would definitely would have been I think they could have done it more in the movie for mm-hmm. sure, because it. Yeah, he kind of does it with Smurg. But other than that, like you said, then just nothing. And it, it seems like that seems like the obvious because we know he's a reader and 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 that like storytelling and stuff is sort of his thing. It seems like the obvious way to to wrap up the storyline and have him, him, you know, win or whatever and save the day is through his, his trait that he has, Mm -hmm. that it was innate to him. That is his, it seems like, and obviously maybe we'll get to how the whole thing wraps up here shortly, but it seems rather obvious to me that that would be the way you would go as opposed to just like a random wish 
the wishing for somebody to have a heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like if he could have told a story that created a thing mm-hmm. and that thing that always was somehow saved. I don't know. It, yeah. It seems like the movie had a, it's, it's answer right there and just kind of fumbled it. But. <laughs> um, I mentioned earlier, but the buildup of Bastion's mistrust of Atreyu and Falcor is much slower in the book. Um, the book is not nearly as truncated as the movie yeah. is. So yeah. it works out. Uh, the movie also cuts Bastion's actual turn to the dark side. We get like a teeny little taste of it in the movie, but in the book, when they get to the ivory tower and Moonchild isn't there, he names himself her successor and tries to crown himself emperor. Um, and then Atreyu and Falcor show up with an army of rebels, and there's like a, a bloody battle. And he basically stabs Atreyu in the chest, like we said. This is much more interesting than what we get in the movie. Oh, this yeah. whole, like, this is much more <laughs> epic. Like, there's a lot, this feels a lot more epic. I kind of get maybe why the movie changed it so that it was a much more, like, manageable story mm-hmm. than, like, Atreyu showing up with a, a band of armies and then meeting on the battlefield. Or, like, it, I think making the movie, I would love to see that redone now, this movie redone now with, like, a, you know, a modern budget and stuff and, and do this more epic because this feels more like uh something along the lines of you know lord of the rings or something where there's just more yeah world yeah going the, on. the world is very big yeah, yeah. it reminded me a lot of, of harry potter and like the battle of hogwarts it's called like the battle mm-hmm. for the ivory tower like literally that's what the yeah. chapter is called and like this this half of the the second half of the book especially would lend itself really well to a mini series i think because each chapter yeah. is like its own episode basically it's just so much and i it would cost yeah. a lot and that's why they couldn't do it in the movie because it's just too it's just too <laughs> yeah. much so after this battle bastion is walking around and he ends up at the city of the old emperors which is so creepy. It was my favorite part of the second half of the oh, book. Yeah. yeah, I had that as well. It's like this weird like city that's kind of like um is it MC Escher who who did like the yeah. stairs that go nowhere? Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. And it's just filled with other people, humans who've entered Fantastica and it's where they go when they forget who they are because they made too many wishes. And there's like this creepy monkey that's like uh like just like he's like the caretaker. Yeah. <laughs> he's like uh, just watching them, but like he's just like amusing himself with all the weird things they do. So because they all forget who they are, so they're like doing strange things, like writing down letters, but they don't make any sense, or they're pushing around like shopping carts with like weird things in them. Like they just don't know what yeah, they're doing. And, like, wearing lampshades. Yeah. yeah. So just like random stuff. I, I think it was a message about like not living in a fantasy. I think like, don't yeah. like let yourself be too involved in a fantasy world. Cause you'll lose touch with reality. I think. And it also sounds like potentially a, war- you know, it seems like a warning to Atreyu or not Atreyu. Sorry. Um, Bastion. Bastion. Oh, in that, for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, he's, he know does he know in the, I don't know if we talked about this. Does he know he's losing his memories in the book? I when think he, so. Yeah. Yeah. At this point okay. he does. I, yeah. Okay. I think at this point, at this point so, yeah, he's like, like, I only have two wishes left or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then, so he does know, and this is, this is, could be his future, I guess, yes. essentially is, yeah, when he gets there. Yeah, that would have been cool. And, uh, cause also, it reminds me of, um, um, 
which they could have done this because uh, the the MC Escher thing that you mentioned, the Labyrinth did that, or mm-hmm. not the Labyrinth, yeah. Labyrinth did that, where they had there's that one scene where um, yeah, David where Bowie is like walking around that staircase so, yeah, that like loops like around down, on itself and, and upside down. Yeah. That looks cool. Yeah. Yep, they totally could have done that. Yeah, and it could have been, cool. been really cool. Uh, so then, shortly after that, um, he's journeying because he's realized that he only has a couple of wishes left. So he like really needs to just go home. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's journeying to try to find a way to do that, and he ends up at the House of Change, which I also really liked. Um, and he meets uh, Dame Iola. Or Aeola. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm going to say Iola because I like that better. Um, who is like a tree woman. Um, and he's like staying in this house with her. And she is like feeding him fruit. Fruit and that like grows off of her. <laughs> yeah, it like grows yeah. off of her. Um, and I think it could have been really interesting and creepy because it's also kind of ominous in the book. Like, there are several turns where you aren't sure if Dame Iola is good or if Bastion has gotten caught in a trap. Yeah, she's hmm. very, yeah. like, uh, motherly, and you're like, okay, like, Bastion clearly has mommy issues, and so that's seemingly what yeah. he needed at that point, but he's, like, there for a while, and he, he yeah, doesn't... Yeah, he's, like, there for a while, um, and there's, like, there's, like, this one point where she's talking about, like, um how she has always wanted a baby, but she never had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, well, this is pretty <laughs> creepy. Um, and I mean, and usually in like fantasy stories, when a human is in a fantasy world and they can't stop eating. <laughs> it's true. Food, it's, it's usually That's not a, a good idea. thing. I mean, I didn't really read yeah. this as ominous, but uh, I totally, I totally get it. Like I could totally pick up on that now. I, it is interesting. I'm surprised they didn't give any of that to because that was something I thought that the movie kind of didn't play into at all, which I thought was interesting is that the the whole like mom dynamic. Zaida. With Zaida. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. was totally thinking that as well, but it didn't really the book. The movie didn't really lean into that. Yeah. And I'm surprised it didn't because it would have been really easy for them to have her be like, oh, I never had a child. We can rule together like yeah. well, like that seems like a very easy like you know way to 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 turn that in a way that that um that makes sense for his backstory and everything but also kind of ties in some of these elements that you're talking about here from this scene um with her talking about you know uh having how she didn't have i don't know seems like they could have pulled some inspiration from that and done that with zaida and i was really surprised they didn't Mm -hmm. well like in the movie did you feel a little confused about why bastion like trusts zaida like immediately because yeah. in the yeah. movie, it seemed like it came out of nowhere. And it is kind of like that in the book. But I think in the book, it's more about Bastion's pride. And like, oh, like, this woman is, uh, you, you know, bowing to me and seemingly giving me the subservience that I think that I want that I'm not getting from Atreyu and Falcor. And that's kind of why he yeah. likes her. But it does happen, like, immediately kind of like that. But in the movie, I was just, like, I was, like, uh, with Atreyu. It's, like, why? She's your prisoner. Like, why are you being so nice to her, like, immediately? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think I got it a little bit in the movie that, that she she very quickly like gives like sort of 
it picks up on how she needs to talk to him to mm-hmm. to like feed into his ego and stuff because there was a little bit of setup like you mentioned Katie about his him distrusting Atreyu before they even get to the castle and stuff there's a couple there's like one scene or something where he seems I don't even remember the exact context of it where he seems sort of upset with Atreyu or something mm-hmm. or like distrustful of him and so I think they tried to go for that in the movie I'm not sure it was super effective cuz yeah it does just I think part of it just it's because such of a it's like every movie ever with such a short runtime. It's just like they don't have time to develop those characters and have the plot go in a direction at the same. It's very tough to do that with a story this like expansive. Like we got to go all these places and do all these things. I just don't have the character time that they need. I feel like I honestly thought the movie was trying to go for like a he's a young teenage boy and she's like a pretty lady kind of angle. There's that too. I mean, I think there he's a little that. young for that, but it's very possible. <laughs> I, I thought he was like 13. I, I, I have yeah, no idea. I, read him I thought he was like, still supposed to be like 10, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, I read him as like maybe 12. Yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I read him as like on that, that edge of like, you know, preteen puberty area yeah. where he might be taken by her, but. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, very, very, you know, pretty lady. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty lady. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I watched this movie, I was taken by Zaida, so <laughs> I was a fan. I was like, I don't know what's going on with her, but I'm into it. <laughs> uh, so the after he leaves the House of Change, there is another part of the story where he comes to a mine. And... A mine! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and what they mine at this mine is humans lost dreams so like when you have not not like that like when you have a dream like at night and then you forget it when you wake up your dreams go to fantastica oh okay or fantasia um and they they mine them out of this mine um and bastion has to find one of his own lost dreams to help him like remember who he is so that he can continue with his journey and Sounds trippy and yeah, mean. and like the way I kind of pictured it, I think the way it was described, it's kind of like pieces of glass with pictures on it. Um, yeah, almost. I imagine it kind of like being like stained glass or something. And Bastion has like no memories at this point, like at all. He doesn't even know what he's doing there, and he ends up being is there this, for a long time. Is this but like he doesn't even remember his name at this? It point, could be. Yeah, his last that? was last memory is his name, and I don't yeah. know. I I'm. Not, I'm not sure. It's around this time. But it's neat because he ends up mining a picture of his father and he mm-hmm. doesn't even recognize who it is. But something in, but in like his he, brain he sees a connection to it. And yeah, he knows yeah. it's important. Yeah. And it's a it's a cute little moment. It's it's similar to what happens in the movie where his last memory is of his father and then it brings the whole connection to he's got to go back to his father, you know. Yeah, because he does have a similar moment in the movie, too, where he he they ask him about his mom and he goes, who or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't even remember his mom at that point. But um, I think because, he still yeah. remembers his dad, though. He does. Yeah. yeah. His father in the movie is his last memory. Yeah. It's not his name. It's his dad. So um, so this goes for the entire book. But I like the pictures and the titles that open every new chapter. Um, your book had this, right, Katie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we have the same uh, version. Um, so every new chapter has this artwork in it. It has like a big letter for like the first letter of the chapter. And it has like 
illustrations, basically, of the, this new creature or place that you're about to see. And every chapter is like a new place or a new creature. And it just makes you excited. Like you're at this new place and you're just like, oh, what yeah. is this thing? Yeah. And you're looking at this and you're like, okay. And then eventually you get to it. And then I would always go back and look at the picture. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like. It, it yeah. just kind of it kind of made me feel like a little kid again, and you know most books I read don't have illustrations like that, so <laughs> yeah, I like because I do remember. Yeah, I remember a similar feeling about like Harry Potter, which has the little picture. Yeah, there's the little one picture. little illustration at the beginning of every chapter, and you don't know. You know, the first time you're reading it, you don't know what that oh, is going to. I didn't be, have like, any pictures in, in my. Smirk. I don't have any pictures Yours, in my you, Harry Potter books. What? Your Harry Potter isn't doesn't have a doesn't, at the beginning does of the Canadian chapter. Canadian Harry Potter not have chapter <laughs> heading pictures? No, there's just the picture on the front what? of the book, the book jacket. Uh, I mean, the Canadian version is also the like British version, I think, um, huh. as oh, far as the artwork the goes. American one but, the only one that has? I don't know. I've honestly never thought about it. I just assumed that they all had those. No, pictures. I didn't have any I pictures. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a little at the beginning of every chapter. There's just a tiny little illustration here. I'm going to turn the webcam on so you yeah, can let see. Me see. This is great podcasting content. <laughs> but, um, oh, no. There's just like a little drawing at the heading the of every chapter. Frog. That, and, that, yeah, that, like, and, then, and that's so like every here, book like has that? Yes, yeah. Every yeah. Single one. Whoa. And it's, like, all, it's always like something from that chapter. Yeah. It's, Holy it's, so crap. it's very similar. It's like, cause you're like, I don't know what this is going to be, yeah. but I want to know what I don't. <laughs> and I don't know why I remember like very specifically the drawing of Peeves from the yeah. first book. There's an illustration of Peeves, like the first chapter he's at Hogwarts. That's so weird. That's crazy. I, did, I had no idea that yeah. that was uh, like an American I, I've edition. I've never thing. thought well, about that. My mind's That's blown. <laughs> I've been missing out. I mean, it's too late now because they've already made movies of it, so it's just yeah. it's over. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, crazy. That's but yeah, that is cool. I like. I that. found the the picture at the front of that's their smurg. Oh man! Yeah, that he's is got his great to post legs. that on. Yeah, I'm gonna that's to, probably the craziest. Yeah. Like, how, what does this thing look like, creature? Yeah. I have a note here about how in the book there's just so many great characters and events and events that the movie omitted. Um, we'll probably yes. get to most of them, but there's just so many. I can't just just a general note. <laughs> they they just couldn't <laughs> just include like, everything. There was a lot. Down. And finally, I like the conversation in the book that Bastion has with Coriander at the end. Um, basically, in the book, it happens just like in the movie. He returns to his dad. Um, his dad's not reading the never-ending story in the in the book, though. He's just been out looking for him all night and he's like, Oh my God, you know, I, I miss you so much. And, and they have a great reunion. And, um, Bastion tells his dad all about, uh, his adventures in Fantastica and his dad believes him. And they basically, mm. uh, both resign to repair their relationship and, and they're both like super happy. And then the next day Bastion goes back to the bookstore. He returns the book and he has this little conversation with Coriander about, uh, again, he tells him about his whole story. And then Coriander says, well, I've been to Fantastica too, and uh, and I made it out. And they kind of bond, and he agree- they kind of agree to like be friends. And he's like, "I'll come back someday, and we'll talk more about it." And it was kind of a neat little bonding thing with about them. It kind of reminded me of the beginning of the movie because it was like, "Oh, they're they're yeah. like friends now." Okay, you know, yeah, he goes there all the time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they have chit chats about books. Yeah, and I think yeah. like the last line of the book is like um, Coriander th- 
saying like, I think that Bastion is going to share the water of life with many, many people. Like, like in other words, people are reading his book right now, like, like you and it's, you know, we're all a a part of the never ending story. (laughs) If I'm not mistaken, you will show many others the way to Fantastica and they will bring us the water of life. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a cute little, little ending. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's time to find out what they thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Uh, Okay, so I have several here to start out. I did like the one illustration in the book that we see at the beginning of the movie that's of the childlike empress. Yeah, I thought it was like a nice vintage looking like it made me think of like an Art Nouveau kind of illustration. Yeah, Uh, I also I kind of liked that the movie set up Zaida as a villain right away. I thought it was a good choice considering where the movie goes with her, which is like not really different from what happens in the book, but like slightly different. Mm. Um and I also thought that her initial facelessness was cool and creepy. Yeah, it was a good ad, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I do think that the book is better messaging-wise, as I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. I will admit that I preferred the movie's attempt at a more succinct plot. The second half of this book is 13 chapters, and if I'm being honest, I really didn't enjoy the first nine or so. <laughs> like, there were there were parts that I liked, but the story kind of meandered around and mm. felt a little bit to me like Endo was, like, making it up as he went along. Yeah. Like, for me, it didn't really get interesting like oh my gosh i want to read this until the last handful of chapters it was very episodic yeah and part of it i will admit is i i enjoy that kind of storytelling less when it's for the podcast because it's hard to take notes on oh Mm. yeah that's fair. because i don't I don't have a good grasp on what's going to be important. Mm -hmm. So I like stress myself out. Like, do I need to make a note about this? Is this going to come back? Do I need to remember this character? (laughs) And I just like really stress myself out about it. Yeah. Huh. That is interesting. Yeah. But uh, to be fair, I, or, you know, to you, it was definitely, I could tell. Cause I mean, you, you mentioned several times you're like, I, this is, I'm having a tough time. Yeah. I was was having a really whiny moment with it Friday night. (laughs) You can say it. It's fine. No, I I was 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 just going to say, you said you were having a tough time getting through it, but then you, when you got towards the second half of the second half, you, 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 you seem to fly right through it and you seem to enjoy it. So our tax is also back in the movie. movie. Oh, thank God. So that's, that's better. (laughs) And Bastion got to ride Artax. He did which is yeah, cool. he got to ride Artax and Falcor. And I don't know if I mentioned this in the first episode. I think I did. But in the book, Bastion doesn't ride Falcor until like way into the second half. And it's yeah. like, oh, really? Bastion, what are you doing? Like, that should have been <laughs> your on, first thing to do it. Like, priorities. <laughs> That's man. what it is in the movie, which makes sense. But yeah, yeah. it does make sense. Yeah. Like, he's already kind of having a falling out, I think, with Atreyu at that point. So. Hmm. Yeah. So there's this scene in the book that I there's a, there's a couple scenes that I don't mind that the movie cut. Uh, one of them is uh, Bastion meets these 
like worm-like creatures that are sad and cry all the time. Um, and their their tears make the acid ocean around the Silver City, oh. and that actually makes uh, the city silver, which is what that's it, what he he was saying in the movie. I don't remember how, but yeah. the acid lake does make the city look like that. It does actually like yeah. somehow yeah. polish or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they're sad because they're so ugly, and they like don't want anyone to look at them. So Bastion wishes that they won't be ugly. And then they all turn into like these terrifying clown butterflies. Their, their names are like, okay, when they're sad, they're called, I think, the Akarish, Acherish. And when yeah, they're happy, like they're that. called like the Shlamoofs, something like that. And, and it, it was just like, it was a very chaotic scene in the book after they become these butterflies and they're like swarming and like they just and they're like yell insufferable. nonsense. Yeah. And Bastion yeah, hates them. Um, <laughs> I hate. I agree too. that uh, we don't need that in the movie. Um, but <laughs> I liked the. There was kind of a like a lesson in there. Not entirely oh, sure, sure what it is, but it's like he created these um, sad worm things without thinking about the consequences of creating a creature like that. Without thinking about how horrible an existence it would be, he created it during the storytelling contest. I think. Yeah. And then when he meets them, he's like, he's sickened by them. And so he's like, I'm going to do a good thing and make them the opposite of what they are. And then they become the horrible clown butterflies that can't, they can't listen. They don't do anything. Uh, they don't do anything uh, productive at all. And then uh, later Bastion's like, I don't think I did a good thing. <laughs> I really, I really fudged that one up. Yeah, exactly. And then later they come back, and I think they break his uh, memory, don't they? Is that what happens? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After he meets them again, after he's mined the the memory of his dream. Yeah. With his dad, and they they like swarm around him and end up breaking it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's definitely a message there, at least from what it sounds like. We said if he created these things during his storytelling contest. Um, sort of without considering the because and does he when he's doing the storytelling contest does he know that what he's saying will create be like actually realized like uh, yeah i think he wish? knows but he's not really thinking about it you know yeah. that's what, yeah so I, I guess the message there would then be like that yeah there's this the the power that comes with um creation i mean you could yeah that i think you could read it several ways i think one could be literally the power that comes with like or you know the responsibility that with great power comes great responsibility if you're gonna you mm -hmm. have the power to create life or whatever i create life <laughs> um and if you're you know the power that comes with that sort of response or the responsibility that comes with that sort of power but i also think in a more like realistic like for us as readers um i think you could read a message into it of because he is literally speaking these things that your words have power, that what you're saying, right. you know, that, that mm -hmm. you speaking sort of irresponsibly does have repercussions and you should sort of, you know, be measured in what you say and think about what you say and how it's going to affect other people and, you know, that sort of thing. I think it'd be like a some more meta narrative way to interpret that story potentially. Or that yeah. Scene. yeah. Also, yeah. like if you think about like creating um, art or, you know, um, 
stories mm-hmm. th- think about the like the, the the consequences of what you're creating how it could be interpreted you know uh correctly yeah. or incorrectly or how it could hurt people and i think there was also a message in there about if you're going to help somebody like do it for the right reasons like do it for like if you like really want to help someone um because there's another story that was cut where um Bastion has a, a mule that he rides on named Yika and she talks just like Artax does and she's very cute and Zaida convinces him to get rid of her because she's like uh you're not worthy uh, that steed is not worthy to carry like a, a prince you know she should that right. part made me so mad i know so bastian <laughs> like believes her immediately and so he decides that he's going to write this little story for her that comes true for the mule he says you're gonna go meet a beautiful unicorn and you're gonna have tons of children and you're gonna be so happy the rest of your life and she wants to stay with Bastion because she loves Bastion, but she's like, okay, I'm really scared. I'm about to have this new crazy life, but okay. And she goes, and uh, for all we know, she does have a, a new life. But then uh, as soon as she leaves, Bastion's like depressed because he's like, I don't yeah. feel happy about this at all. <laughs> you know? I think the book, I think the book does mention, like, I think it does that thing where it's like, well, uh, she did story. marry, she married the <laughs> unicorn and had... 10 unicorn babies or whatever but that's another story for another time that's a story for another time at least we know she ended up happy yeah the second half of the book does that i think like five times yeah a little more than the first half did i think and to to go off that one more other thing like you said the sort of make sure you're helping people so when going back to to the clown whatever the clown (laughs) butterflies, butterflies does he ask them does does Bastion ask them how he could help them or anything like that? Or does he just go, I'm going to fix this and turn them into clown butterflies? Do you remember? The, the second uh, thing. I don't think he asks I think it's them. the second thing. Yeah. Because yeah. there's definitely, like like kind of what you were saying, April, I definitely think there's a message there that is a very pertinent message still of of being, of not just thinking you can fix the problem for people and actually, you know, listening. even if you have the power to fix the problem listening yeah. getting input from the people who are experiencing a problem and seeing how they want to be you know mm-hmm. what you can do to help them as opposed to just like i can fix this boom yeah because uh, definitely they were not happy being clown butterflies either yeah yeah, yeah and that there's that's definitely still a very timely message about you know when people go into communities that are suffering or whatever and just go i we can fix this or whatever without actually mm-hmm. asking the people in those communities mm-hmm how do we help or whatever, you know, what do you need as opposed to just like going in and trying to fix things without, um, you know, it's being an ally versus being like a, a savior type of thing. Yeah. So anyways, there's another part that got cut that I was okay with where Bastion goes and talks with the monks of wisdom. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I don't, I don't even remember much about what that, what was in there. I just felt like it dragged and it just yeah. was like more of the same. And like, there's a consequence cause like he goes there and does something. Um, and then after he well, leaves, they, they he loses some him, memories. Like, they ask him what Fantastica is mm. when oh, he's yeah. there. And he's like, well, it's the never ending story. And basically he, he ends up causing like this rift between these monks and they all like split off into different factions. Yeah. But, and correct me if you're remembering this differently, April. Um, but I, I don't think that ever like comes back. No, I, I don't recall has, that, like, a, that it does. Yeah. Cause some of the other stuff that he does comes back and has like more, uh, like a more of a long reaching consequence. Mm-hmm. 
but this one just seemed like kind of random to me. Yeah, I don't, it wasn't very consequential. Um, I mean, it was cool that like the three monks was like a giant owl. What was it? A a giant hawk. It was like an owl and a a fox. And yeah, I kind of like that. It was, it's (laughs) the same creatures from the beginning that are like the taxidermied animals in the school attic. Yeah. Yeah, it was an owl, a fox, and something, something else. Something yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. Maybe a hawk. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, a yeah hawk but or I mean, yeah, it just kind of seemed like a side, a side tracking thing that didn't really yeah. go anywhere. Wasn't necessary. Uh, the movie was a little fuzzy on like Zaidi collecting his memories and stuff. Like we're we're a little fuzzy on the mechanics there. Uh, but I I did like the idea of being able to look into his specific memories that he's using. Yeah. I thought that was great. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a really good way to visually represent um, the memories. Cause in the book it's just, uh, and then he forgot his memory of ever going to school or, or ever being, uh, you yeah. know, picked on and stuff like that. Um, we yeah. actually mm-hmm. get to see the memories uh, in those little minority report balls, which is like, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly the same, which I loved. I thought yeah. it was neat. It's like a little like Rube Goldberg thing too, kind of. Um, yeah. And it was, yeah, the little drops. It was really that. more impactful that we got to see Bastion interact with his mother as well. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, yeah. a good emphasis on his uh relationship with his mother in this movie that wasn't really in the book the book chose to make it about different things and that's fine but i i liked that the, the movie kind of focused on that and was like he's still really upset about this and this is the major cause of the rift with his father you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely yeah because his, his dad's dating again and all this stuff and it's 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 causing these issues because he's still very upset about his mom mm-hmm. and stuff yeah it's I think it's an interesting idea. I do. It's, it seems like they, I felt like they missed sticking the landing with having it at the end of the movie yeah. with having it like come back again. And that like his memory of his mother or something being, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if it's the memory of his father, cause he's lost the memory. I don't know. I felt like, cause it is this recurring moment and they have that nice moment with her in the, in the hospital and stuff. I felt like they needed one more moment of it at the end to help like tie up that storyline but it is i do i did like those scenes and i like the little flashbacks that we get of his life mm-hmm. they're not flashbacks there's memories but it's essentially like a flashback what, what is a memory but a flashback yes right. it's true uh, i loved uh, the small moments where bastion uses a slang with a treu uh like mm. the aforementioned give me five scene or where mm-hmm. uh, bastion says get real and what is the treu said he's like <laughs> i am real I am real. <laughs> He's like, yeah. oh, I was, it's just a joke. Being real is a joke where it's you come joke. from. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I love those moments. Yeah. I really liked the cuts back to the real world with his dad, like reading the book mm-hmm. and figuring it out. So his dad doesn't read the book in the no, bo- in no, the book. not <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, I agree. I love that. I thought it was a great ad and uh, it just added it. It added energy and kind of broke up the story mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah, it was really helpful in like breaking up that story when mm-hmm. we could like pop back and see his dad running around New York getting angry. Mm-hmm. And it keeps similar a similar plot structure, a similar structure to the first movie and gives yeah. you the same mm-hmm. kind of vibe where we're going back and forth between Fantasia and the Earth or whatever um, and watching somebody read the never ending story. 
And yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah, and that's moments. that's kind yeah. of missing from the second half of the book. We're just in Fantasia. Yeah. We don't have this uh, uh, two worlds thing that we had at the beginning of the book, which was nice. Um, and kind of coming off of that, I liked the idea of Bastion not needing to make wishes because his dad is like reading about what he's doing and like encouraging him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I love that as well. It was like it just it was like he was like Bastion in the first movie, you know, he's reading along and he's saying like, no, you can do it. You can do it. Just like he was like cheering Atreyu on. It just made so much more sense conceptually that I kind of wish that that's what happened in the book instead of uh, when he, as I mentioned, when he gets back to the real world, it's Coriander who has been to Fantasia. It would have made so much more sense if his dad either had been there or or if he came out and realized that he was reading his story the whole time. It just gave them so much more of a of a connection, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it also ties back even further to the first one because and which we didn't really get much of that in in the second movie but in the first movie in the opening scene there's that that moment where his dad tells him to like get his head out of the clouds Mm -hmm. and like you know you got to live in reality and that sort of stuff and then so that that character arc for his father of then finding this book and reading it and getting sucked into it the same way his kid did did. now they have this thing that connects them it makes perfect sense Uh, and that is one of the stronger moments in the movie and it is surprising that the book didn't Uh, Yeah, because in the movie, they're also emphasizing uh, uh, how Bastion has to go back to his own world to get humans to um, believe in fantasies again or something. There's uh, Mm -hmm. because they're forgetting about uh, Fantasia and that's what's creating the the nothing or the emptiness, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like it's happening, you know, in the in the movie. Yeah, it should have it should have been in the book, I think. Uh, Another thing that I was okay with the movie cutting was uh Bastion goes to this village with people who sail wicker boats out into a sea of mist. And they, like, power their boats with thoughts. Totally forgot that even happened until I read your note. (laughs) Completely forgettable scene that should have been cut. Yeah, it was just, like one of those things that like didn't really come back in any way well it was just this weird like thing like bastion uh uh, has a wish that he wants to be part of a community so that's how he ends Mm -hmm. up with these people um one note about um bastion's wishing is that in the book he does he can actively say just like he does with like the, the you know the worms and the butterflies he can say i wish you were like this and i i wish for this and it can happen but there's this like underlying thing about wishing that is explained to him by the lion in the desert that real wishing is what your heart truly desires and it's not something that you can even necessarily be aware of and that's a big theme in the book and it's because you can you can say i wish i was like this or i wish i could go here but it's what Oren really does is uh, makes the things come true that you that you really want and that was kind Your of deepest yeah darkest, and that's deepest. kind of why that yeah. happened but then he went to this village with these people and then eventually he was like i don't want to be here because they don't have any individuality so then he doesn't want yeah. to be there anymore and so he leaves and yeah there's a yeah. lot of that uh zaida's defeat in the movie mm-hmm. little silly we talked about yeah. it yeah but in the book, she just gets trampled to death by her own suits of armor. And I thought it was a little anticlimactic. That's definitely anticlimactic. Does, like, is, maybe the point is that it's a little anticlimactic. Fair. 
Doesn't it also like is, is Bastion and doesn't ahead, it also kind of happen like off screen? Like it's not where yeah. Bastion is. It's just like he kind of <laughs> hears that it happened. Yeah, we we just like pop back to her for a minute after he's uh, gone on to do other things, um, and it's revealed that she like she like loses the ability to command them mm. for some reason, um, and they end up like trampling her to death. Okay, but so it's not by like, but, but does her losing the ability to control them have anything to do with what Bastion's up to? I would imagine. I mean, maybe, maybe. because he's uh, losing his memories, but no, we don't really know, you know. Yeah, hmm. we don't really know the answer to that question. <laughs> okay. I think they had the movie was, I think the movie had the right idea with with him making a wish somehow that, that even the have a heart thing, I think could have worked if they had somehow tied it to. The thing that would make sense to me is that last memory of that he has, yeah, which is his father in the movie. If we had had like a moment where we go into his memory, his last remaining memory, and it's a memory with his father, and his father tells him this thing at a very young age, he gives them this advice, mm-hmm. no matter what, in the face of every you know, you're gonna you're gonna run into bullies in your life, Bastion. You're gonna have uh, moments where people want you to bl- do blah bad things, but remember, um, remember what's in here, and he like puts his hand on his heart or something, mm-hmm. and that's the moment, and ba- that's his one memory that he still has, and then he wishes for her to have a heart, like. That at least ties those things together, like the have a heart line to yeah. his memory in a way that I feel like they were right on the precipice of something that could have worked. Oh, my like God. It. That would have yeah. been so much better. Right. They were yeah. like they were right there. <laughs> it's like right on the edge of a real of a real mo- like a real storytelling moment. And it just didn't quite didn't quite get there. I also thought that the way Bastion gets back to the human world in the movie is less interesting. Uh more easily understood than what happens in the book so that's fine um but i think it is kind of less interesting but they did bring back the high dive thing from the beginning so it's a nice callback at least it was just like that movie vanilla sky have you guys seen that i have not actually seen vanilla sky well i don't want to ruin the ending of vanilla sky (laughs) um but it involves someone jumping off a high thing and it's like okay like you're testing your yeah. I, you know what? I can't even talk about it because I'm going to ruin the whole movie. So only with a leap from the lion's head can uh, whatever the uh, end of uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of the La- uh, and the Last Crusade, <laughs> the Temple of the Last Crusade, now the Last Crusade, <laughs> where he's got to take that leap of faith from the thing. Anyways, all right, we've got a handful of notes for the movie. Nailed it. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Or more accurately, things from the book that the movie actually used is a note that Katie put here. I guess. Uh, yeah, I think that is more accurate <laughs> this time around. Uh, there are four-faced people mentioned in the book. We talked about this in the yeah. first episode about the yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. It's like one of the first few uh, a group of people that joins his like uh, group. And uh, looked pretty cool in the in the movie. I, I thought it was a pretty yeah. effective uh, gag the way they did it. I was I'm not how, exactly how sure did how they, they, they did it. it. Yeah, I don't know how they did it, but I was <laughs> impressed with it. I was like, I don't know how they're pulling this off. I think I saw in a couple places there's a cut, like there's a there's just a match cut from like it starts spinning, and then I think they swap him out for a different 
his with his face in a different place on the on the yeah, die or whatever. Yeah, you know what? Maybe he's just turning his head because there's a there's a face on the side of his head, right? Yeah. And so they're just cutting around it to make it look like it's like spinning around. I think that might be what's going on. I'm not sure because I thought there was another moment where it looked like you could see two faces moving, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was no. impressive. However, they did it. Um, it was cool. Maybe they had some animatronics on one of the faces. Yeah, that, yeah, could, yeah, very likely could have been. Um, as previously mentioned, uh, the Acid Lake in the Silver City, uh, mm-hmm. and the city in the the book is called Amarganth. Amarganth. Uh, and I believe Bastion gave the city. Bastion like gives all of these places their their names in the book. They're more yeah. boring um, names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm got like Silver City. You know, that's what it is. So yeah, yeah. sure. So, Amarganth <laughs> is a very is a very like uh, Tolkien style yeah. like name of like Silver yeah. City is a little more uh, Midwest. So it's a little more Oz. Yeah, or Oz. Yeah, and it does, yeah. In the movie, it does have kind of a budget Emerald City a little bit, look yeah. to it. Yeah, and the people, too. You know, yeah. they're all I love the people, people that are straight up just carnival, carnival-like costumes <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's just I like mean, it is, it is book accurate, so. Oh, okay. they, they did yeah. the, like, they're supposed to be, like, bluish silver and the look of the city. Like, I know it was, like, on a budget, but it yeah. pretty much looks like how it was supposed to look like. Um, Zaida, her entire look and uh, her motivation is just like it was in the book as I mm-hmm. mentioned she wants Bastion to be empty so she can control him we uh, uh, mentioned her in Guess Who how she's described um, in the book she does have a cool pipe though but I Ooh. bet they were like no smoking nope, no yeah, smoking no. in a kids movie that's for sure not, <laughs> it's like, not, even, not even for a villain nah. yeah it, it's like one of those long like Cruella DeVille um, cigarette holder things oh, and okay. she says it has like a little mouth or, I think or is it like a snake mouth that it looks uh, like she's kissing it when she takes a puff whoa. yeah uh, <laughs> and I, uh, not to rain on your parade, Brian, but I was getting kind of a real like drag queen vibe from really? Zaida. Like hmm. just like the the outfit, it really looks like the dresses that that like RuPaul wears in the, in the show. I don't, I don't know, know if you watch Drag I, Race, but yeah, I was just no, like, I, I can yeah. see that on the show like tomorrow. <laughs> I thought her whole look was amazing. I like her her throne room. Like I actually thought her throne room. I think I have a note about mm-hmm. it in general notes. We'll just talk about it now. I thought her throne room was like really cool set. Design. It's like mm-hmm. super like that gnarly like throne is all like this. It's like I don't know if it's wood or what it's supposed to be, but it's like this like big mass of like thorny like I don't know interwoven things, and it all looks super evil and cool and dark. Yeah. I like all her whole aesthetic in the film. I thought was super <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Falcor does refuse to carry Zaida in the book. Oh yeah, he's yeah. like I, I won't he's like, carry I'm that not, woman. Nope, not carrying her. <laughs> he does end up carrying her though in the book. He oh, does he, he? he he refuses. They uh, they yeah, like at first, but then he like has to because like Bastion makes him, and he's really unhappy about I it. I thought she. I thought they went in her carriage thing right away, but maybe I'm misremembering that. I I could also be misremembering. <laughs> don't don't quote me. <laughs> it's very possible. Um, we uh, mentioned the carriage itself, just like the look of it. Like it's mm-hmm. like a big kind of like um, flower blossom and it's like ruby red and it, it looked just exactly how I imagined it. In the book, is it filled with desk toys? 
Did you notice in the movie? <laughs> there might how, be like, trinkets in there. She has like three of those little things you would see at like a Spencer's Gifts. I don't know if you have Spencer's <laughs> Gifts in Canada, but like, like just one any of those stores that sells like knickknacks and and mm-hmm. little stuff. She has like a, a Newton's cradle. She literally has a Newton's cradle. The little balls on the on the string or whatever that oh, hit each like other. Oh, like the the line of balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has one of those. It's sitting in the foreground, and then she has one of those other magnetic things. That's just like there's two of those other things that like businessmen in the 80s had on their desks like she just has three of those in the carriage and i was like they just went to a, a yeah like a cheap <laughs> they were, gift store and bought they were like oh we need stuff. some stuff to put in yeah. here so they went on yeah. they went to the executive producer's office yeah. and just like <laughs> raided his desk <laughs> exactly that's great art direction right there yeah uh, Zaida does try to convince Bastion that Atreyu is jealous of him and that he wants Arryn. Uh, we talked about the belt that turns him invisible. They do go in circles while trying to get to the ivory tower in the book. It's because of a different reason. It's because mm-hmm. Bastion, like, kind of doesn't, like, know what he wants. Mm. So they're not, like... Well, they're originally, the way- they're originally going... Um, not to the ivory tower they're going to find a way home for him but yeah. they don't know how but they're just going to tr- do that um and he doesn't really want to go home so that's why but there's a similar kind of scene where they're like we've mm-hmm. been here before yeah. we're just going in circles yeah. I think the movie's one does work where they're where she's like the change, the slight change of her like leading them in circles, yeah, yeah. and that causing distrust between Atreus because Atreus is like, dude, she's not, she's like lying to us and leading us in circles, and Bastion's like, nah, she's good. Like, I think that <laughs> moment does work in the film that little change. Yeah, and I mean, this kind of goes with the next uh, note I have here about the paranoia that Bastion has um, about mm-hmm. Atreus, but there's there's that whole it's is a lot of like in the book where like Bastion is just kind of like testing. Testing Atreyu and just being like, I'm gonna do whatever I want, and, and 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 if you don't like it, then you're my enemy. Like when they when they first go to the the hand castle, Atreyu's mm-hmm. like, we got to turn around and, and leave. Like like this is dangerous. And <laughs> then, and then he's scene. like, and Bastion's like, no, we're going there. And Atreyu's like, why? And Bastion's like, because I feel like it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing where Atreyu is warning him about uh, Zaida. Can't trust her, and Bastion's like, "Well, I feel like I can, and if you're questioning me, then fuck you." <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, he's yeah, he's not really a fun guy to be around at, yeah. <laughs> at that point in the book. Yeah, and the whole spying on him with the invisibility belt—that's right out of the book too. Yeah, yeah, I, I always hated that scene in the in, when I watched this kid as a movie or watched this kid as a movie. When I watched <laughs> this movie as a kid, I always hated that scene because I was like, "Dude." You just missed like the only bar. You just, you you just heard the wrong part of the conversation. Like yeah, I, as a kid, true. I didn't understand like dramatic irony, so I was just like, <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> you just walked in at the wrong point. Um, that yeah. is what happens in the book, though. So yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Um, and Bastion does have that restored relationship with his father at the end mm-hmm. um, in both the book and the movie. A little different, but the relationship does get restored restored did you did you guys feel like you wanted maybe 
one more scene at the end, like with his dad, because it just yeah. ends at them hugging and then it pans yeah. over the never ending story. I just, I mean, maybe it wouldn't have been as climactic, but maybe just some kind of little conversation or something. I was just like, oh, it's, it's, all right. it's oh, okay. So yeah, good. I think there could have been one more moment. I'm not sure what, but I do think there, yeah. there one more moment would have been, and you know, because you know the, what would have been good because it 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 ties back in to here you go, I got it, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> so here's the rewrite. The last they they hug, come in the rain, they hug, boom. Um, camera pans over to the never ending story, close up on it. Oren reappears on it. Camera pulls out. We're now at his mom's grave they've left the never ending story on her grave pulls back to the two of them standing there they don't need the never ending story anymore because they have each other they've closed this chapter in their life literally closed this chapter (laughs) in their life (laughs) camera pulls back they hug and embrace uh they they're now able to move past um her her you know not move past, but like they're able to sort of bond move over this and, and move past it together, move forward. And they leave the never ending story there because they don't need it anymore. And then post credit scene, <laughs> random kid walks up and picks the never ending yeah. grave robs the mom. And <laughs> yeah. Or he's getting chased by bullies too or something. Yeah. 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 He gets chased by bullies, gets chased into the graveyard, hides behind the gravestone. And it's like, what's this? Boom. Yeah, and then get the song in there. <laughs> Never <laughs> ending ending story. Story. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> All right, we've got a few odds and ends before we get to the final verdict. I just want to say that Bastion's dad, straight up hot. <laughs> He he's wasn't very... played by Major Dad this time. <laughs> Apparently, he's no. what, what did you say? The Flash is dead. He is the he was <laughs> yeah, the, Flash the Flash in the uh, the eighties or nineties, like the short lived TV show of the Flash. He was mm. Barry Gordon in that one. Yeah, was, I, I looked uh, it up. He did a bunch of um, like soap operas and stuff. Like I can mm-hmm. see it. He he's he's good looking. He's yeah. a handsome man. Hot dad. He's a hot dad. Hot still dad. still drinking orange juice. Did you see that? <laughs> oh, was he? <laughs> I, I didn't see what... any eggs though. No eggs though. Yeah. <laughs> What I don't remember what Bastion called like the woman that he was dating, like minivan woman, yeah, uh, or something uh, like um, that. Not a minivan; it's a uh, uh, a station wagon. Station wagon, oh, yeah. Yeah. station wagon woman. Um, can't blame her. Yeah, he's no. hot dad. Yeah, good for her. <laughs> uh, I have a note here. I enjoyed when they showed um, the memory of Bastion in bed being read like a story from his mom mm-hmm. and then match cut to his mom in uh, the hospital bed and, and Bastion's like kissing her on the forehead. And then, mm-hmm. she, and then like, and I was just like, I, I'm tearing up and then the bird's crying. <laughs> I, I'm doing what crying. the bird's doing, you know, <laughs> it's just like a really, really powerful moment. It, it is it a just, really like, sweet scene. Yeah. yeah. It was just really, really well done. And then his mom was saying like, we're all a part of the never ending story. I mm-hmm. mean, she didn't mean literally like the book, the never ending story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and, um, passion's like, even if you die and then it's just like, Oh, and then the bird's like, that's good to know. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was really, really well done. It is a good scene. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, that scene always stuck with me as a kid. It was very sad. Um, but also very melancholy, it's, I guess. Yeah, it's sad, but it's also like, you know, Hopefully. almost comforting kind of. Yeah, know. yeah. 
uh, I thought it was interesting that it seems that the bookstore now is in the Flatiron building. I don't know if they filmed this in New York, but that am I crazy that that's the Flatiron in New York, that building that the bookstore is in? Mm. I think there are several buildings like that in other places. There's a building like that in Toronto. Oh, is there? And it, it, Yeah, there was a... It's like this weird Did they thin, film this one in Toronto? It's possible. <laughs> it's this weird thin building that's like yeah. in the middle of like a busy street. And it was also... Yeah. It was called like the Flatiron Pub. Yeah, so I don't know if the it's one, the same one. Or. I don't know because because I don't know if that's like that design or I don't I don't know the history of this, but there's a famous building in New York City called the Flatiron mm-hmm. that looks just like that. Um, and I did notice that there was some other ones in other places, but I don't know if it's the name is based on the original one or if it's like the style or I don't know what it is. Um, but I I think that was the one in New York, or at least it looked mm-hmm. like it to me from the pictures I saw. But because it's weird that. I guess it's a magic bookstore, so it can just teleport <laughs> around because that's nowhere near where it was in yeah. the first. And one. it's definitely not there the next day when the d- <laughs> dad yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 find it. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Nimbly's, uh, like his costume mm-hmm. and the prosthetics. I wanted to specifically call out the legs and the feet. Yeah, looked really good. I thought. Because I feel like it's probably not easy to mimic that bird leg structure. The backward hinged. Yeah. Yeah, they bend the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like where I, are I the like humans? It's not easy to where do are that. the humans' feet in that? There costume? was some. There were some times where, it, you know specifically I mean? in that one shot in the desert where Bastion's like die you know like mm-hmm. doesn't remember anything, he's dying. Where you can, I could kind of tell that the bird had the legs were in front of him and hit, hit the actors. He was like kneeling and his legs were hidden underneath like the tail feathers basically. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know for all that doesn't work for all the scenes necessarily, but that yeah. one particular moment, I'm pretty sure he was like on his knees and the feathers were like hiding the actor's legs. Or maybe they the, had, the person can tuck their legs into the costume when it's like flying away or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I assume when it's flying that, yeah, they like tuck up into the costume somehow. Cause yeah, you don't see their legs when it's like pulled up on the, on the wires or whatever. Um, but yeah, I assume they can hide them some way other way, but yeah, when he's on the ground, I think he's just like hiding them under the feathers. Huh. But it's still it's a very effective. It works really well. Yeah. Once yeah. again, did not look up who did the costumes or the <laughs> prosthetics in this movie, so but they were it. good. They were yeah. good. It said it at the right end of the movie, and now I forgot what it was. It did say effects by, and then I forgot. I'll look it up real quick oh. while you go ahead, April, on your next point. I'll Google. Um. So there was just a quote that I liked uh, from the book uh, that was towards the end. Um. Where um. I think it was dame eola the plant lady that said this that up until then he always wanted to be someone other than he was but he didn't want to change and i thought that was just a an interesting message about fantasy and self-improvement um that bastion has to go through a big long journey to understand by the end because like he Mm. can just get whatever he wants when he so i want to i want to be this i want to be this but he doesn't he didn't ever want to change who he really was and yeah. that's a, I, I just, I think that's a good message that, you know, we can all think of. It's just like, yeah, I wish I was this. I wish I had this. I wish I, you know, had more money or I, I lived here or I had this or I had that. But it takes a lot of work to actually change yeah. your, yourself mm-hmm. and your yeah. habits and, and, you know, your relationships. And I think yeah. that, that, that was, there's a lot of messages in this book, but I think that was the overlying one. Right. And, and we see in the book too, that when, Bastion takes that shortcut and just wishes Mm. to be someone else instead of doing the work that he ends up 
like a terrible person. A terrible person yeah. and ultimately unhappy and yeah. to the point where he just doesn't he and empty. I mean, he doesn't know what he wants anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was not able, I was unsuccessful at finding the company. Because <laughs> okay. on IMDb, they don't have, like, when you go to, like, special uh, effects credits, it just yeah. has, like, the individual people. It doesn't oh, have, like, yeah. the, the company. Studio. Or it's not like, you know, ILM yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't have that. So, and I couldn't not find anything bad. on Wikipedia. So it doesn't matter. But, uh, well, it, it says it at the end of the credits in the movie. I know. I saw it. And it was, like, a specific <laughs> name. And I was like, ah, and then I forgot it. So uh, there's one line I wanted to talk about that I thought was super funny is there's a moment where... We're after we Bastion makes a wish and the the crystal ball, you know, rolls down the thing and, and gets whoop falls into the thing and Zaida takes it and walks away. The camera pulls back, revealing nimbly like lurking in the shadows, <laughs> and he turns like to the camera and says <laughs> That's a memory Bastion has lost. And it's like, wow, all right. Yeah. Thank you, movie. <laughs> really laying like a it stu- out there. A studio note. Like, they're not gonna know <laughs> yeah. what's going on. It's like we yeah. were already explained how this we, how this yes. thing works. In great detail, they explained, like, okay, his memory, he makes a wish and then it, it t- pulls it from his brain and it turns into a memory and gets sucked out of him. And then it's like, nope, we gotta tell him again directly to camera right after it happens. Okay. Thank you. I also love that this movie straight up plagiarized A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Help me, Bastion. You're my only hope. Yeah. Almost totally. like word for word yeah. me- nearly when she comes in and she's like a hologram, basically. Like yeah. it's, it's all right. <laughs> They're like, eh, why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> I did want to say, like, even though uh, we already talked about how um, Childlike Empress is not in the book, I Mm. think she's in the movie probably solely because they were like, this is a never ending story sequel. People know that character. You have to put her in. It's that sequelitis thing. Like, it's people are going to watch this movie and be like, well, where's this main character? You know, Mm -hmm. even though it didn't really make sense really for her to be in in the movie. I think that's a big reason why she was in the movie. And she's also barely in the movie. Yeah. Same with the first one, though. You know, she comes in at the beginning and the end, and that's that's kind of it. Even though she's a main character, she's not in much of either of the films. Mm, it's true. Yeah. What a choice role. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the book, um, Bastion is kind of like Jesus. Like, he mm, created yeah. and saved... He simultaneously created and saved the world. He saved the world from the nothing. And the people mm-hmm. all know it. And yeah. they're like worshiping him and following him. And there's a religious message in here somewhere. I'm not quite sure yeah. exactly what it is, but at, at least the, there's the, the corruption of power in there about how mm-hmm. he has so much power. Of course he becomes corrupted, but it's, it, it would almost be like if like we were alive when Jesus came, but Jesus also like saved earth from like climate change or something like imagine that. <laughs> Like, it's like that. Yeah. You know? yeah no, How yeah. would you react to this person? It's kind of an interesting, like, almost reimagining of the, like, New Testament yeah. story of, like, what if Jesus really bought into the idea that he was a god? Yeah. yeah. And was just like, yes, I <laughs> am really your more god. Like, he's God, not Jesus, because Jesus, yeah. but he could perform miracles. So, you know, kind of the same yeah. thing, you know? It's definitely pulling some sort of, alle- you know, very, oh, it's pretty common in stories to pull that, mm-hmm. that allegorical framework for sure. The last note I had was that the, uh, so we mentioned in the prequel episode that they said apparently the first movie didn't use much in the way of matte paintings, that it was mostly some. Mm-hmm. I, I still find that hard to believe. It looked like matte paintings. There were to at me, least but, a few, but yeah. Uh, yeah. 
This movie also uses a bunch of matte paintings, and there's a couple in particular. There's one moment, and I think it's around the time where um, they're sitting around the fire, and Atreyu or Bastion comes to spy on Atreyu and Falcor, and we see that huge wide shot of like the 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 um. I always forget what it's called. The, the Ivory the Tower? Ivory Tower. Yeah. Keep wanting to call it the Crystal City for some reason. <laughs> um, the Silver City and the Ivory Tower. The Ivory Tower is there in the distance and like the river running around it. It's super gorgeous. And mm-hmm. I, so and there's also some really cool moments where um, that felt even more like alien than some of the stuff in the first movie uh, where Atreyu is like riding the horse. I think it's, it might be Bastion on it, but I think it's Atreyu is riding Artax through this world. And there's like these giant cool crystals, like sticking mm-hmm. out of like the, almost yeah. look like these giant crystals sticking out of the ground and stuff. And it just was like, we had a few moments like that, that almost some of that stuff felt even more like, cause specifically there's a few scenes in the first movie where uh, Treyu is riding Artax and it like looks like he's just riding through like Montana or something. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just like clearly like a, a helicopter shot of yeah. him riding through a field or something yeah. like that. And it, I mean it looks beautiful still, but it's not like fantastic or right. whatever. It's just like uh, yeah, horse riding through a, a field. Um, but this one we get some really cool, and there there are other moments too. But this one we get some really cool, like like I said, matte paintings and these vistas that are super alien and neat. I thought so. Mm-hmm. I, I again en- enjoyed the the art direction and the uh, the set design in this one. So the memory, the memory with with his, his dying mom, is sad. Is yes, but it kind of made me laugh because we got the title drop. It is, it, and, and t- t- title drops always make me laugh. They they will always <laughs> make me chuckle, even when they work. Like it works yeah, in this works. moment, yeah. But it still does make me kind of chuckle because it's like name of the movie <laughs> yeah you do the like meme where you point at the tv um, yeah the once upon a time in hollywood that's the title of the movie yeah um we had coriander with a k in this was uh, it in the book we? uh yep so on the um the, the bookstore uh door it's a k so they changed oh. it interesting see i i thought because I, I couldn't remember because we see it in the his dad looks at the like seal on the inside of the yeah, book where and i thought it, like his address yeah with his address yeah. i thought it might have been on that one, i, I probably was i, but I just it noticed on it on the door yeah or the oh, window okay. yeah um which is great um yeah. one small note again going back to the whole zaida <laughs> exploding at the end it was kind of like a half-assed message about love in there because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. empress is like um, she was the emptiness and it had to be filled with love. But then why <laughs> yeah. did she explode when it <laughs> yeah. was her heart? So I thought yeah. it would have been cool if she turned into the plant lady that we were talking mm-hmm. about, Lady yeah. or Dame uh, Iola um, yeah. or something. Because um, that would have been totally different, like design wise. And yeah. maybe they could have had some kind of conversation. Then it just, it just would have made more sense. Well, I think even it would have made more sense if. Like, instead of exploding, if she had, like, immediately realized the error of her ways, because yeah. she has a heart now. Yeah, she like, has a like heart Like, the now. Grinch. Yeah, like the Grinch. It yeah, seems like, oh my sizes, gosh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'll free the childlike empress right away. Yeah. It seems like you she know, did in that moment where she cries. Yeah, because she cries. Just, yeah. yeah. Explo- <laughs> she nope. just explodes. Yeah. Remorse? You feel remorse? You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> It's like what are what is our uh, what is the messaging here uh, on like retributive justice? Cl- so we her just... heart grew three sizes and she wanted to cardiac arrest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and last note, uh, I don't like the new theme song. It played at the end mm. credits and no. sucked. It was like a cover of the original song, but then it turns into a much worse song. I think it was called yeah, like Dreams it. for Dreams or something like that. Yeah. It was like a medley. And I was just like, this sucks. No, it is music definitely is so much better in the first movie. Yes, it is nothing compared to the first movie uh, soundtrack. That's for sure. They got back but, the same composer though. Giorgio Moroder did yeah. that new song, but also yeah. just the score and stuff was just weaker. It wasn't as good. No, there are still some moments. Like we still get the main theme a few times. I feel like, mm-hmm. or at least it seemed like it. But it's definitely a little different. Yeah, um, and it didn't it didn't hit the same way that it did in the first one. Yeah, it was like a new arrangement, and it wasn't. The same person singing it so yeah yeah all right it's almost time for the final verdict but first april one more time go ahead and uh plug your plugables uh well uh (laughs) my podcast is called no such thing as a bad movie found where podcasts be can be found um you can find us on twitter at no such thing pod and uh, if you want to support us on patreon patreon.com slash no such thing as a bad movie um if you sign up on the five dollar level you get a little bonus episode uh every two weeks so uh you can basically get content every week and uh my twitter and instagram is at april at nice are you the only one of those in the world the only april at yeah i don't think so i think uh, well, you just lucked out on i the- think <laughs> yeah no i think that there's other well, me, i might be the only april at but there's other Edmanskis out there that are not related yeah. to me that oh, okay. is, is, is odd but, i was just wondering yeah. if i had met another soul name bearer because <laughs> i'm one of the only people i'm the only person in the world named brian shilligo and so i wondered i it's always interesting to me sure? if i find somebody else <laughs> Who has the same, you know, who's the same situation of being the only person with that name? Does not describe me. (laughs) No, yeah, you're you're a lot of Katie Schwartz's. I at one point was part of a Facebook group that was comprised solely of people named Katie Schwartz. It was kind (laughs) of amazing. So yeah, you're like the opposite of me. Did you, yeah. you like compare your experiences in your lives to see what else was similar? <laughs> Mostly we were just like, hi, Katie. Hi, other Katie. This was like 2010. Yeah. It was back when Facebook groups were like a thing that people did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, also for us, you can do us a giant favor. You head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. You support us for two, five or 15 bucks a month. Uh, and you can get access to our bonus content, which we have another episode of that coming out soon where we're reviewing um, patron requested like non film adaptation <laughs> or non book adaptations. Uh, and you get access to those at the five dollar level. And at the fifteen dollar level, you get priority recommendation status, which means you get to pick what stuff we do sooner. You can recommend stuff without supporting us, but we just might not ever get to it. So. <laughs> We'll see. We have a very long list. And also you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, all those places. Just search for this film is lit. All right. It's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. Okay. So while there was a lot that I did not particularly enjoy about the second half of this book, uh, the meandering plotline, Bastion's whininess, etc., I can't deny that it ended up in a place that I thought was really interesting and meaningful. I thought that the message of losing your true self through wishing to be someone completely different was interesting, as well as a really good message for kids. I think that I would have liked this movie as a kid, but it's just so completely different from the book 
to be honest, I I think it probably could have stood on its own as a fantasy adventure kids film during that time period, although I totally get keeping it attached to an already successful property. I'll also say that as an adult, some of the film's issues definitely stood out to me like sore thumbs, um, especially like the incoherence of the story at times and the fact that I can tell where they cut corners with like the effects and set pieces and costumes. Um, And there was also Zaida acting entirely through her eyes and eyebrows. No, that was not a negative. How dare you? It kind of drove me nuts. (laughs) Um, In trying to hold these two pieces of media up one-to-one, I think they would probably come out maybe a little closer to even for me than I would have thought initially. There were things that I liked and disliked about both the book and the movie. However, the fact that the book draws itself to a close with such a good message and has such creative elements takes it over the edge for me. So for those reasons... I'm going to give this one to the book. All right, April. Well, I thought the movie was going to be flat out bad, um, and it really wasn't. It had some good production design, and all the main character, the main actors, uh, were quite good. Uh-huh. I think, um, as Katie said, I think it's a good like kids movie, yeah. um, and I-, I could see a lot of value in it as a younger person watching uh-huh. it. Um, the book is basically like Lord of the Rings, the second half anyway. It's a long journey where we meet new people and go to a new place every chapter. And the movie just can't do that. And that's okay. I think it was a valiant effort. <laughs> um, but I had to give it to the to the book. I loved the large cast of characters and the whole journey Bastion went on uh, to ultimately become a better person who can reach out to his father. And the book had just some big themes about um, not living in a fantasy, but she Sharing your dreams with the people you love. And I just thought it was a great fantasy book overall that I think uh, adults and children can appreciate. So I would go for the book and I would recommend the book to uh, most people. Fantastic. We have reached the end of our spring series, our spring <laughs> mini series. Uh, that, that's, so what was the final score here? We had the first episode. We had... Uh, April chose the movie mm-hmm. and you chose the book, mm-hmm. Katie. Mm-hmm. And then this time you both chose the book. So ultimately we came down three to one <laughs> for, yeah, the, yeah. for the book, eh, roughly. But <laughs> technically. But they both have their uh the yeah. first movie definitely is a is a slightly more coherent movie overall, I would say, than the second movie. Um but the second movie also has some fun stuff in it mm-hmm. that, that is very good. Yeah, so. and I think too. Like April said, I would definitely recommend this book to people. And I think if you like, especially the first movie, mm-hmm. and you've never read the book, give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And what kind of came through with the uh, prequel episode with the feedback with the community was apparently this book was like a, a big deal for a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. Uh, younger people growing up, maybe uh, people in different countries. I'm not sure. Yeah, but know. like, yeah, I, I had never... Um, I didn't even know it was based on a book. I, I read it um, when I was uh, in college because um, my cousin read it because we were both huge fans of the movie growing up. And she was like, I, I picked it up and she was telling me all about it and, you know, telling me about Fantastica. And I was like, OK, I got to read this book. <laughs> but it was never around yeah. when I was yeah. a kid that, that I knew. Yeah, I was, I, I was completely unaware. And it's, it was surprising to me, like you said, in the prequel to see how many people had read the book, mm-hmm. it seemed like. 
and had very you know strong feelings nostalgia and nostalgia for the book because i definitely would have mm-hmm. we, we talked about we would have expected it to go much more in the favor of the movie of like everybody have seen the movie and yeah. maybe very few people will have actually read the book and it didn't seem to be the case it seemed like yeah. quite a few people had mm-hmm. um that attachment to the book which was cool and surprising but neat all right katie before we wrap up what's next up next we have a patron request mm-hmm. Getting back on that train to tackle some of those. And we will be doing Stir of Echoes, Hmm. novel by Richard Matheson, and it is a 1999 film. What it what do we know what it is? Like, uh, I think genre? it's like a supernatural it's a th- horror it's kind It's a of. thriller. Yeah. A horror. That's the one starring Kevin Bacon, right? I think oh, I so. No I don't know anything. I've about seen it. I've seen the movie many times, if it is in fact that movie you're, you're talking about. <laughs> It probably is. I don't. I can't imagine. There's a. It's a very I distinct title mm-hmm. for sure. Stir of echoes. And I just got the book in the mail, and it is not a super long book, which pleases me. Yeah, it nice. is Kevin Bacon. I did look it up. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. It's got a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I think it's a great movie. But that's another one. I think I saw it when it came out in ninety yeah. nine. So it's been a while. After being hypnotized by his sister-in-law, a man begins seeing haunting visions of a girl's ghost and a mystery begins to unfold around him is the IMDb synopsis. for well, There the you film, go. So. Mm. Interesting. All right. Uh, so that's next uh, two weeks from now for that. And then we'll be back with a prequel episode in one week where we'll have our fan follow up reaction for the never ending story part two, the next chapter. Once again, thank April. Thank you for coming on and joining us on this never ending jer- story journey. <laughs> thanks for having me it, it was a it was a great time yes a lot of fun and we uh we appreciate you so uh that's gonna do it until next time guys gals i'm binary everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies and, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome yes <laughs> both did times it, you did it, it sound like it was at the same time i know there's a close. delay i'll, I'll move it. I, i'll fix it in the edit i'll <laughs> <laughs> fix it in post yeah i'll fix it yeah. in post yeah.